History and the current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4 6 states, My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people will turn this around. Proverbs 4 7 states, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. Though all that get and get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the homepage and catch the live stream at that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash Time for an awakening and catch the live stream there. Also, you can go to abibitumi.com. That's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I.com forward slash time for an awakening and the live stream ought to be playing there. Or you can download the TuneIn radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. In that TuneIn radio app, just type in time for an awakening. There you'll see the icon and you could stream the program live even into your car if you had the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's time for an awakening radio program. With the live stream on the TuneIn app, drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Time for an Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In the Facebook search engine, you can type in Time for an Awakening radio program. Do you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard? And do me a favor before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening radio program. With the fan page on Facebook and Time for an Awakening Media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of various programs on Time for an Awakening Media. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later time to share with your friends. Also check out that Time for an Awakening Marketplace in our partnership with the BB Toomey. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on, on education, economics, social systems, health and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.07 on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening, uh, November the 13th, on this uh, brisk Sunday night, and it's a Sunday edition. Of time for an awakening. Uh, our guest this evening is you. I know special guest this evening uh, in particular, but you always are the special guest as uh, listeners to time for an awakening. So we're in open forum this evening. Anything that's on your mind, uh, give us a call. We'll talk about it. And you can do that by dialing two one five four nine zero nine eight three two. That's two one five four nine zero ninety eight thirty two. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word. From our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, 
our friends and, and our enemies. Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 215- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm 
It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. Uh, 7.13 in this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Before I get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Arch Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Ellen. How are you, sir? Uh, little, little, you know, I, I didn't put on enough clothes, and I think it got, the cold got in me. <laughs> well, I can't believe that, Richard, that you didn't put on enough clothes. Okay. I don't know what, I don't know what happened, but uh, I'm feeling, but I'm, I'm, everything is, is good. You know, everything is good. And I'm looking for the Time for Awakening audience to kind of, like, pitch in. Um, and keep, you know, by bringing their thoughts and, and, and ideals to the table. So that way, and hopefully it won't get me reacting. And that way I can just, uh, um, cruise for the night, you know, and save this voice that I don't have. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a few things going on this week, Richard. That's, uh, that's interesting. And we're in open forum. So, uh, the folks can give us a call, talk about any issues that they want. Um, the midterm, although you know, listen, the midterm elections is over, uh, and uh, uh, it looks like it's a 50 50 split in both of those houses and Senate, so you know, I don't know what that means necessarily to our people. Uh, it's more the same thing that we, our struggle is still basically the same. Uh, I mean, but we've seen what has happened, you know, it's kind of funny that uh, uh, one of our uh, callers, part of the uh, Time for Awakening family, sent me a text message. Uh, they had some placards on uh, some of the uh, uh, telephone poles around here in Philadelphia saying, uh, end racism, vote Democratic. You know, I, I don't know what they take our people for or whether they think that some of our people are just that uh, narrow-minded. Uh, but uh, end racism by voting Democratic. Uh, but we see in several of these key states that, again, the black vote was a key factor, especially in Pennsylvania, which was a, a, a so-called battleground area. Uh, we've seen what happened here. So uh, uh, if you want to talk about that, that's up to you. If the line is open, you can do that by down 215-490-9832. It's uh, still the ongoing issue with uh, with uh, Kyrie Irving. Uh, also, Kanye West <clears throat> is involved because his situation is similar, is intertwined with Kyrie Irving. Um, I got a um, a message the other day from uh, one of our past uh, guests that was on the program, uh, Sister Lorraine Muhammad, that wrote the book uh, Integration: A Failed Social Experiment. She sent me a text. I think it was uh, Wednesday night, if I'm not mistaken, on Tuesday night that uh, Minister Farrakhan was going to be doing a national address uh, that morning at seven o'clock in reference to Kyrie Irving and Kanye West. Um, I didn't get up that early. I got up maybe about an hour later and I thought I missed it, but uh, she sent me the link, um, because, uh, uh, she said that she was instructed to send it out to different black media and hopefully they would play it. Um, I might not be able to play the whole 56 minutes. I did cut out some excerpts, uh, and I'm gonna play it, uh, for the listening audience this evening. Uh, you can go to the NOI site. It's several areas where you can catch the whole thing. I think it's interesting for our people to hear it. <clears throat> but I'm going to play some of it this evening. Um, 
great. That's great. Along with um, Richie, you sent me um, uh, Kyrie Irving had made an Instagram uh, post in reference to his feelings on his generation, the millennials, and and, uh, some of the things that they need to focus on. And he's talking to to black people in particular. Um, It'd be interesting. I'm going to see if I can try to pull that up and, 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 and share some of that also. Also, the, um, I got a message from uh, Brother Clifton Abrams up there in Greenberg in reference to the mural uh, situation. Um, uh, the the uh, brother Kendo, the uh, young brother that's the artist, uh, the city had promised that they were going to, uh, after the mural was completed on the one side, that they would put the acrylic coating over the mural, you know, so bird droppings and if somebody... Uh, tried to spray paint it or deface it, it could easily be washed off and remove the scaffolding. Uh, since that controversy had started, where they wouldn't remove 20-plus images, including the image of Minister Furcon from the mural, uh, they basically backed up and didn't do anything uh, with the mural as far as uh, doing what they were support- required to do. Uh, Kendo and the other artists did their portion. They painted the images there. But when they put out that, uh, uh, I guess, legal document or whatever, saying that they wanted 20-plus images removed, uh, they didn't do anything to cover it. They didn't do the acrylic covering. It's certain things that they didn't do that they were required to do. So it's almost like a stalemate. Um, your brother Clifton sent me, uh, and an attorney that they had said that he wasn't going any further until he got paid. So they they put up a um, a GoFundMe site uh, to uh, get an attorney where they could pay them to uh, uh, sue the city and move forward with the uh, the mural as a uh, as they, they stated that they would. Um, they complained about taxpayers' dollars up there uh, as far as using it to put acrylic coating and, and to do what they were supposed to do in regards to the mural, like only white folks pay taxes in that county and it's, it's in the black area uh, where the historical middle is and black people pay taxes too. So uh, he did send me um, uh, some uh, uh, interesting things from it. Some of the reports I'm going to play um, <clears throat> because uh, uh, brother AJ from the black Westchester uh, had did a conference there uh, uh, along with the two uh, council people that's on the uh, commission. I think it's a five member council. Two of them are black. Uh, if you remember the listening audience, brother Clifton talked about them uh, as far as um, not standing up for the community's interest. And the, the mayor or the city solicitor, as they term it, Richard, I think is, uh, is Paul Finer, which is a, a Jewish uh, 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 gentleman up there. That's uh, uh, for lack of a better term, the mayor. And they were all on this um, uh, Zoom conference. And I want to play for the audience, uh, uh, Brother Kendo, young brother, the artist, and the comments that he made in reference to Minister Farrakhan and other historic people being on that mural and why he did it. I think it's interesting to hear what he's saying. It's similar to uh, Kyrie Irving and the comments that he made in his uh, uh, Instagram post that you sent me, Richard, 
but I'm going to play those uh, for the listening audience so you can hear all of that this evening. And you can comment on it. You can uh, bring up other stuff that you want to talk about. You can always do that by down 215-490-9832. One other thing that was in the news this week that I found very interesting. Um, Because, uh, you know, a lot of our people talk about the Americans, especially now, uh, Veterans Day and thank you for your service and uh you know you got blacks all on the tv and and thanking one another for their service to this country and just this week um grandmaster jay <clears throat> was sentenced to over 7 years in prison for exercising his second amendment rights as far as uh being able to uh have a firearm and Richard, you got to because I don't. You, you, you got to help me with this one about that uh, Second Amendment and the wording of it. But um, it happened in twenty twenty, I think, when they first came back from uh, being in quarantine, when they had that Kentucky Derby in Louisville, and Grandmaster Jay, who's from that area, uh, wanted to have a protest there in Louisville in reference to Breonna Taylor and the justice that ha- that hadn't been done for her or her family. And they had a armed uh, protest uh, uh, with the group. Uh, They marched through the city of Louisville and the people had weapons, similar to what you've seen in several different cities all around this country and what you've seen openly on that January 6th uh, uh, thing that uh, when the people ran up into the Capitol. Uh, but uh, l- let me read from this uh, published report. Uh, John Johnson, also known as Grandmaster Jay, was sentenced to seven plus uh, years in prison for s- brandishing a firearm and assaulting, assaulting and brandishing a firearm at federal task force officers. U.S. Attorney Michael Bennett of the West District of Kentucky, special agent in charge, Jody Cohen of the FBI field office and Erica Shields of Louisville Metro Police Department made the announcement. After a week-long trial in May of this year, a federal jury sitting in Louisville, Kentucky, convicted uh, Johnson of Cincinnati, Ohio, of two counts uh, of assaulting a federal officer and brandishing a firearm in relation to a crime of violence. According to the court evidence, presented a trial Johnson on the evening of September the 4th, 2020 resisted, opposed, impeded, intimidated, interfered with a federal deputized task force officer who was performing official duties. When Johnson aimed a rifle at him, Johnson brandished a AR 15 rifle, uh, at two federally deputized task force officers. Both are detectives with the Louisville Metro police department. He was also sentenced to three years uh, of supervised release upon completion of his term of imprisonment. There is no parole in the federal system. Uh, so uh, in all intents and purposes, he's going to be uh, incarcerated basically for 10 years, a little over 10 years because this initial sentence, sentence is seven uh, years and some months. Uh, now they show on video that it was it was at nighttime and some officers were supposedly on the roof, 
uh, and they showed that the, his weapon was kind of pointed up towards the sky. The, uh, the assault and the things of that nature, they never show that. Uh, they never accused him of that. He was charged with it, but they accused him of pointing a weapon at officers, and he received seven-plus years. Um, it's it's, it's uh, just kind of curious, and, and and just to see how folks feel about it, because I, I just want to read something in reference to this January 6th. Now, 150 officers were injured in that, uh, what would happen there, riot, melee, whatever you want to call it, insurrection, however they want to term it. Uh, five of them were killed or died. I think a couple committed suicide. Uh, let me read uh, something here because I noticed something strange here. You got, uh, and I think it's a message that's trying to be sent, similar to Kyrie Irving, or Kanye West, or others. It's always a message in what Europeans, I don't care what religious persuasion do, in reference to black people. Now, you had uh, officers that were killed during that uh, riot. Nobody yet has been charged with murder in that, even though they've handed out different prison sentences or, or convicted. It was thousands, it looked like hundreds or maybe possibly thousands of people involved in that. But uh, so far, it's, you might have 15, 20 people that have been convicted of the various uh, uh, sentences. Uh, nobody for murder. Let me read this here, because it, it deals with one particular officer in particular. Uh, and this is uh, uh, some excerpts from a published report on January 5th from a TV station down there in Washington. And it was talking about the hearings that they had in reference to January 6th. And it was this one officer in particular was talking about his experience dealing with the crowd. It says here, uh, three officers gave gripping, uh, disc- uh, grippingly described every detail of what they experienced that day. I heard people yell, get his gun, kill him, kill him with his own gun. Fayon said, I was electrocuted again, again, and again, and again with tasers. Other officers weren't as lucky. In the face of the lawlessness, Brian Sicknick paid the ultimate price. During the riots, Sicknick was reported hitting the head uh, and bear sprayed twice. The medical examiner de- determined that the uh, that played a role in the stroke that claimed his life the next day. And it was talking about this officer in particular, this sicknick. Now, let me read something that came from a published report on July 27th of this year. It was written in Forbes magazine. It says, George Tanios, one of the two men indicted for attacking three Capitol police officers on January 6th insurrection, including Brian Sicknick, who later died, pleaded guilty Wednesday to misdemeanor charges, including entering restricted grounds, and disorderly conduct. A West Virginia man who was indicted on counts attacking police officers on January 6th insurrection pleaded guilty to misdemeanor charges also. Tanios, who was initially charged with felonies connected to assaulting officers, 
and conspiring to injure police faces up uh, faced a fine to up to twenty thousand dollars and up to six months in jail for misdemeanor charges, according to the plea deal reached Wednesday. Federal prosecutors alleged Tanios, 40, of West Virginia, along with Julia Can- Julian Cantor, 32, of Pennsylvania, sprayed Capitol officers with chemical agent bear spray days before Sicknick died of natural causes following a series of strokes, but prosecutors did not suggest the sprays killed Sicknick. Tanios is scheduled uh, for a sentencing hearing in federal court on December the 6th, while Cantor is currently in plea negotiations on counts of assaulting an officer with a deadly weapon for allegedly spraying Sicknick with bear spray. And his trial is set for October 5th. Now, both of these guys, neither one of them is charged with murder. Now, according to the uh, medical examiner, it says the medical examiner determined that the spray played a role that claimed the officer's life. Now, isn't that strange? You got two guys that were involved in this one particular officer losing his life, and neither one of them is charged with a murder. And they were allowed to uh, uh, to negotiate their pleas down to misdemeanors. But you got a man here, a black man as head of a uh, uh, a, uh, a, a armed militia, which you're entitled to have, that had a armed protest in a state as open carry in Louisville that's convicted of pointing weapons at officers. Not killing anybody, not beating nobody up, not hit, hitting them in the face with bear spray. Spray that's uh, uh, designed to bring down a 800 to 1,000 pound behemoth that's trying to attack you. So you know what it'll do to a 200, 225-pound man. These men sprayed guys with bear spray and assaulted them. You heard some of the accounts. Now, if that ain't, you ain't trying to murder somebody, I don't know what is. None of these white dudes are charged with murder and haven't been. If I was the family of those people, I'd be running up into the Capitol myself. Demanding some type of justice. But, I mean, that's what they do to one another. The law is basically to to throw you behind bars and throw away the key. So I, I just was throwing that out there as comparison to the stuff that's going on centering around this January 6th. Benny Thompson and all with all his hearings when he, he should be doing something in his, his own state in reference to his own people. He's worried about January 6th and Trump and all this other stuff instead of focusing in on what's going on in the atrocities happening in his own state. And these people are pleading down to misdemeanors after officers, uh, you know, it, it's, it, uh, they love the officers. In fact, that's been one of the major mantras of these Democrats going in. We support the police. Well, they sure didn't support the police here in this January 6th. You got men that lost their lives, and there's nobody charged with murder. Just figured I threw that out there. Uh, I, I just like to say, Elliot, you know, um, th- that I think what, what got me as you were, re, you know, reporting that was the point of it's interesting to notice, um, and I was trying to find. Who is this jury of our peers? I take this was a jury, a jury trial. 
Right. Uh, well, it doesn't really say. Jury. Say that again? It doesn't really say. I assume that it might have been. I think I lost you, Richard. You still there? That that came to my mind, like because to the point that you're making, and uh, you know, we already know that um, this society doesn't want black people to have any kind of arm, um, demonstrate any kind of um, arm, organized arm of protection. You know, not 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 something that's going after, but just demonstrating that. But then, as you say, it, it's being a setup by you know the the um, the whole federal system, and then if it is a jury trial, and like I said, I, I was just looking to see, and maybe somebody from the time for working audience can find. But if it was a jury trial, and as you say, when you make the comparison, and you got a jury, like does the sentence demand? that type of, you know, I mean, does the action demand that kind of sentence? Um, unless you want to, as you say, send a message. And that message being you are not supposed to organize and demonstrate that, you know, to anybody. Mm-hmm. Even symbi- even if it was symbolically. It wasn't no fire, no shops fired. No shots fired, no. no. No action, no movement made in that direction, but just the perception. That's just like saying, I, I, I was afraid for my life, be, you know, because of what the black person looked like. It's a perception thing. So are they, you know, and, and for, and I, I'm, I'm, I believe it was a jury trial and being a jury trial, they could have, um, the jury could have said, you know, looking at the evidence and, and I did see the photographs, it like it made you know it wasn't like they were a threat to those officers or to anybody else for this man to get that kind of sentence but this is america yeah well um and plus knowing the environment uh, uh that our people live under i think i read a published report written i think i put it on the time for waking page that um uh, uh, Racist attack or racial attacks against black people are up in this country. Oh, uh, I think I had it up there on. I'll, I'll look at it, look for it on on our break, uh, because I know that I uh, I, I posted that and and I want to share that also with the listening audience. The um, Richard, I, at first before I get into and and play uh, Minister Farrakhan remarks in reference to Kyrie Irving and Kanye West. Let me play with um, the exchange between uh, young brother Kendo, the artist up there in New York that painted the historic mural, and uh, the black council people also present on the uh, the call was the the uh, the mayor of the town or uh, the solicitor. I forgot what the term is. I, I mean, I term it mayor because. Uh, that's what they call the, the, the fellow in charge here in Philadelphia. But uh, it's similar. He's the mayor up there, uh, the Paul Finer. And uh, uh, Brother A.J., uh, the editor of the uh, Black Westchester, was ne- was uh, hosting uh, this exchange between everybody. 
now and also uh, brother Clifton Abrams the activist in that in that uh, community that initially uh put together the idea of putting a historic mural of icons in our struggle here in this country uh put the idea out there and it, that idea came to fruition um this this exchange here that you will hear and I want you to pay close attention to what Kendo addresses. He addresses, number one, why he put Minister Farrakhan on the mural. He addressed a whole controversy. And then he basically put some questions forth to the two black council people that's, that was present on the thing. I think it's only two that's on that, uh, that city council up there in that area. Uh, you remember, if anybody remembers, when Brother Clifton uh, Abrams was on with us and he gave his personal opinions of the council people up there. And if you remember, some of his personal opinions in reference to uh, those men are similar to my opinions about black elected leadership in this country. But you'll hear in the beginning, before Kendo comes on, you'll hear some of the last comments of uh, one of the uh, council people in that area. And then you'll hear the artist Ken, though. Uh, Richard, uh, I'm, I'm going to play this now if I can pull this up. Because I never got around to playing it, but I want the people to hear this because it's an ongoing story and it directly relates to what's happening now with Kyrie Irving and also uh, Kanye West. Let me uh, see if I can find this clip here. Oh, boy. Here we go. Oh, here it is. All right, listening audience, here's uh, Brother Kendo's Exchange, hosted by uh, Brother AJ of the Black Westchester, uh, also present the two black council people, Clifton Abrams, the activist, and the mayor, Paul Feiner. It's how the, the mural, the Black Lives Matter, the, 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 the Cliff, as the head of the mural subcommittee, never came to the Black Lives Matter Science Committee or to the town board to let us know that the image of Minister Farrakhan was, uh, was, was, was going to be added to the wall. He was well aware uh, how the white members of the town board felt about it, and I believe, as leader of the Black Lives Matter uh, signage subcommittee of the mural subcommittee, uh, it was incumbent upon him to bring that information to us before it was actually painted so we could make a decision, so we could talk to Kendo about, you know, how uh, so, so that certain members of the town board could express themselves, talk to the artists about how they felt about the image, um, and decide whether it should stay or leave or be replaced with some, something else. That, to me, is what a leader does, okay? What happened is he didn't do that. Uh, he, he allowed the image to go up, knowing that it was going to be controversial, um, and he created a controversy uh, in order to make himself look good in the community, and that's why we're all here now. And, that's, and that really is is, 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 is is what happened. And even in the face of the black, even in face of the mural subcommittees voting to take down the image, that's the committee that he's the head of. 
Okay, they voted to take down the image, and he's not listening to them. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to interrupt you real quick. I'm sorry. Um, so, so I want to give the artist a chance to speak, and then I want to give Cliff a chance to speak. Well, one of the things, and and I, and, and um, I want the artist to speak to whatever his understanding was, why he put Farrakhan on, and and you know, um, did, did he think he, he could do that? And um, I want to give Cliff a chance to speak to the fact that you said Cliff did this knowingly that it was going to aggravate and, and you like inflame the situation. Like, do you, I mean, that's just, that's an opinion of yours. I don't know if that's a fact, you know what I'm saying? Like that he, that he, he blatantly just did this to like fuck the whole system and, and, and piss everybody off. Uh, Kendo, can you, uh- Richard. Richard, yeah. uh, now I'm getting ready to play Kendo, but the, this council, this black council person, did you hear what, I mean, why didn't he come? Because he knew that some of these images would, would be, uh, would inflame the white community. What? I mean, this is a mural with icons in our struggle since we've been here. Historic struggle. You heard. Clifton talking about uh, uh, Nat Turner, Denmark, Vesey. You know, there's a lot of different people that was going to be on that mural. But according to the black council person, he needed to run it by some of the white members so they wouldn't be offended by images up there. And, and you know, Elliot, the thing that, as you said, what I, what I jotted down was that what he said was the town board, which is white, which is the governing body, we got to keep that in mind um, with black folks. The town board that it would be offensive to, because you know you can you can hide thing with the label that well it's the town board. It isn't white people or F, uh, ethnic group. It's the town board that has problems. But this is the the thing in that statement that he said to look good in the community, <laughs> right? So here you have the governing body that controls the resources, which are white. And a person who's a representative of the community who is reflecting the community leadership, but the town board or white saying that what goes, that you're, what you, what you respect, what you think is important as the people and your leader who is listening to you as a part, as a representative of the people, a black person who represents the town board says he, he want to look good in front of the people. Well, if he's a black representative, I'm assuming he got black votes. Don't he represent those people too? And don't he want to, shouldn't he want to look good to those people also instead of the town board? That, I mean, and, and, I what, and why is he out there speaking in behalf of this mayor, Paul Finer? Right. I mean, what? Oh man, uh, listen. I'm gonna play the artist. Uh, people, listen to the young brother Kendo, and he'll explain clearly why he did what he did. Listen to him. Um, um, put your camera on real quick. I wanted to give you a chance to speak. Nobody's heard from you yet. Uh, okay. There you go. Uh, you're still muted. I was trying to charge my phone. My phone's been like... Well, right, so so can you speak about... You're the artist, so you 
put Farrakhan on the wall. And so, um, what was your thinking in that? And, 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 and your, um, understanding as far as adding additional people on the wall and then, and they're telling, they're telling, they're saying that you need the permission for every additional person or something like that. Um, uh, well, to speak to your question first, um, there was a vicious lack of oversight when it came to this project. I think that's why it's taken about two years for it to actually kick off the way it has. Um, I haven't really seen much of uh, the councilman or either the councilwoman when it came to this project. It's been very sporadic. I've seen more of them now as things have gotten a lot more, you know, public and political. But I think the, the main thing that I wanted to touch on was that this was my vision. I put this vision together like two years ago when there was no money involved. I didn't get a chance to ask Paul Finer why he told the news that I got paid a hundred thousand dollars when I didn't. Yes, and I also didn't I also didn't get a chance to ask him why his public feelings or his personal feelings were coming public and you know like why they were I guess making him make decisions with a, a public office position. So, I mean, for all those things, like, I didn't really understand why, uh, you know, my vision was being taken this way. I, I wanted to speak to the oversight because I didn't have uh, a problem adding any of the other people that were included after the first iteration of the project was approved because I was given artistic expression and license. And the story that I planned on telling was very vivid and it was very clear. And I explained that there was going to be gaps that had to be filled by other artists that were supposed to be included. Now, for about a year, I was told that I would have uh, about 13 to 14 artists working with me. Um, Sarah Bracey White, who's not here, actually did a really good job of putting the artists together in the interim in the beginning. But the people didn't show up. They did not show up. So the people that actually took the project forward were uh, my, my, my good friend that I had to bring down from Albany, um, Mahad Harvin, who was the lead assistant. And, you know, both of us, we got to pretty much fill in the gaps and complete everything on the fly. This was understood because we didn't have any of the help that was promised us. You know, the, the main help that we got from Shanika Bennett and Akihan Chestnut came in, like, you know, the, the, the second week of the project when they kind of saw what was going on. And, um, you know, they helped from the beginning. They've been on a project from the beginning, but coming down to the mural, it was so much work that had to be done. And Akeon is in a wheelchair. <laughs> so, you know, he had to walk up the steps with his hands pretty much. We had to get him up the steps almost every day he came down. So 14-hour days, 15-hour days for about a week, being told that I got paid like $100,000, being told by people on this call that I was being censored, and to be told to my face that this this situation is something that could halt the project, stop the artists that work those hours with me that I put together this project with from getting money that they didn't even care about. That was the craziest thing about all this. These artists didn't do any of this for money. I didn't do it for money. Nobody was in this project from the beginning for money because we didn't even know if we would get funded. So for all of that stuff to be held over these people's heads, for a personal vendetta, for something that is like so arbitrarily and subjective, like I didn't, I made sure that the parameters of my contract, which also state 
that if the project is held up for any reasons that I could possibly move forward with legal action. And this is not something that I agree to. I didn't agree to this project being held up the way it's being held up right now, because this is a personal vendetta. This has nothing to do with me breaching or, or encroaching on the project on the contract. Rather, We, we all know this. So, so for, for, for this, for this, I would like to just say everything that went up on that wall, it came from my brain. It came from my idea. My father has a picture with him and Louis Farrakhan on his wall in our house because he said he had dinner with the man when my aunt before she died of cancer, while the minister had cancer. Both of them talked about that. So these are things. He, he made sure that he had an armed guard. My father is a retired police officer at the 2A precinct. So he made sure that he had armed security on the tarmac at LaGuardia Airport. I have a personal connection to this. So I keep getting really upset when people keep trying to make it out that this man Clifton, who also didn't advocate to have his name or face or what have you on the wall. This was a mural subcommittee. This was Sarah Bracey White and Pastor Verlin Williams who pretty much asked for him to have his face on the wall for everything that he did to get the project forward. I agreed to it. I could have said no. People asked me to put Al Sharpton on the wall. I said no. People asked me to put a lot of different people on the wall. I said no. And none of these people, some of them which made it to the wall, did not go through town board approval. But I don't see anybody talking about those people. There's only one person. And when this was brought to me, people said, this project is not going forward unless that comes down. Now, I don't know where that's, I don't know what y'all think that is, but that's extortion. Anywhere where I'm from. And I'm from Harlem, so I don't get extorted. I made that real clear. Anything that I did, anything that I did in the beginning, I said, you know what, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it because this project is is bigger than me. It's bigger than the, it's bigger than the people that are doing this. Like I'm not gonna stand in the way of impeding their process and, and and getting this project from giving knowledge to the community that is for it. It wasn't any ideas about uh, going after the Jewish community or there's nothing up there. There's no swastikas up there. There's nothing that's up there that's even uh, anti-Semitic. There's a person's face. A person's face is up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Elliot. Wow. Yeah. Uh, listen, Kendo laid it clear. He didn't stumble, stammer. He made it clear to his feelings on why he put that he had, he said he had artistic, uh, uh, what do you call it, liberties or whatever, to mm. put people up there. He said that was his vision for the community that he represents. You heard him say that, Richard. Right. He said they didn't do this for money. He said he didn't even think they was going to get any money. And if you remember, it was Clifton, Brother Clifton, who was a member of, uh, the commission up there that push for those artists to be paid, Richard. You remember that? Yeah. So you yeah. heard him say that they did that. They didn't think they was going to get any money. It wasn't about money. And this young man's holding the line. They told him to take that image down. Uh, basically, you know, it'd be a lot more stuff coming his way. You know, the same type of stuff that you hear. But he's yeah. holding the line. It's, it's, it's something, Ellie. I, you know, it, it's, it's something. Um, but, but the reason I said that, Richard, and I'm going to let you finish your thought. 
because it's the same thing. If you look, it's the same thing with Kyrie Irving and Kanye West. The same thing. Now, you heard Kendall said it's nothing up there on that wall that's anti-Semitic. He said, we don't have any swastikas or anything up there. It's historic black figures. Go ahead. I didn't mean to go. No, 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 no. I, I just, you know, and, and it's, it's the, you know, as I said in the other comment with the council per, or the representative, it's, it's the same thing in the sense of we, uh, and I'll, I'll just be short with this thought, that reinfl- reinforcing how much we are a colonized people. I know it. Cause it's a government. It's, it's the, it's the quote unquote now to the representatives saying it's the board, the town board. It's the government. What Malcolm said, it ain't, you know, they say the government. Well, who is the government? <laughs> and who is the people? You know, and when you say, now that's in, that's the, this is a political. It ain't, and it don't have, as he said, it don't have anything to do with money. It's the politics. As the government, you are not supposed to show who, one, you're not supposed to have your people give your own heroes, your own message. And two, your people are not supposed to be organized enough to be able to have their representative, not the government's representative that could be black, but their representative to push something to to really implement their will. And I think that that, is like just important when we're making a, you know, where you started in another, another point when we're analyzing even elections, who is these people and who will they represent? Will they represent, even though they're black, will they represent the government or will they represent the people? (laughs) And, 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 and here are young people say getting a message of that difference. They're experiencing it. Just and he said, "I'm on all I. I'm doing something that came out of my experience as a part of the people because my parents had a relationship. I recognize that he's a leader. Uh, you know, based off of our personal relationship, and the people recognize that he's a leader in relationship to the people. But the people who are in the government say you can't have that as your leader." <laughs> that's politics. That's the politics of it that these young people can do at his age. And that's where I see the alignment to Kyrie, right? Because it's the same age, age. group. Millennial, yes. Yep. And, you, and Richard, you heard it now. You heard before Kendo spoke, you heard the tail end of that representative. And I don't have his name in front of me. I wish I could put his name out there. I don't have his name in front of me. But you heard what he was saying about offending. Uh, right. white folks. Now, you heard Kendo say, listen, the two black council people, I've never even seen them until recently. You heard him say that. Right. They didn't pop up till after this so-called controversy came. Then all of a sudden, they're there. He mentioned about images are supposed to be run by them. That was, Kendo said that wasn't their agreement from the beginning. He said he hadn't even seen them until now. And they was instructed to get out there by this guy, Paul Feiner. Yeah, well, um, you know, I was going to take a break and then play. But the, on the heels of that, in hearing uh, 
Brother Kendo, who about the same age as Kyrie Irving. They <laughs> in the same generation, Richard. You heard him. Wait a minute. You heard him say, listen, to me, that's extortion. And he right. said, I'm from Harlem and I don't get extorted. You heard him say, you heard him say that, Richard. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, you got a different, uh, a breed of, of young black folks up here that ain't taking all this foolishness, although they're trying to breed another, uh, uh, type of young black people and you see what they're doing. They they constantly working, Richard. They're kind of, they they ain't giving up. They're constantly working. Go ahead. You know, and I just so you complete it, but when you said that, um, for those in Pennsylvania, um, out of this election, when you say about that cultivating, look at the um new lieutenant governor. Mm-hmm. Thirty eight years old. Where he come from? And look at the the place that voted him as being a state representative. What is the demographics of the people who voted him in? And we may be seeing, once again, some similarities in relationship to um, cultivating their own, as you said. Because mm-hmm. he's 38 years old. Yeah. Lieutenant and- Governor. And and wait a minute, he when they were campaigning here in Philadelphia, he was all down in the neighborhoods, mm-hmm. showing his face because he's black, right? But this man, he's he don't have the interest at heart. He's been cultivated so, by those folks. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I'm just reemphasizing your point. I mean, I I think you know, like when we're talking about being colonized, and I don't, I, you know, and I don't say this symbolically or lightly. I'm saying, you know, because I don't know, and I hope, you know, the time for waking the audience as they call in, even if they have different subjects, you know, like if if this characterization of our condition is is different, and to have now even more young people, you know, being able to see it and speak to it, and as the clip you'll show, um, even speak to their own, like be more direct and speaking to their own generation. Like we see this, this colonization period that's going on. We see this, and we we're not as what he said. We're not going to be extorted. <laughs> uh, I'm going to play, and, and I would advise uh, the time for waiting on this. Go to you can go to the NOI site and hear the whole uh, fifty six minutes of Minister Furkan's address in relation to Kyrie and Kanye. Um, I'm just going to play a couple of excerpts from it. And uh, you can get a flavor of, of uh, some of the things discussed, but I advise everybody to just go and listen to the whole thing. Uh, just for time's sake, we can't play the whole thing, but I'm going to play uh, what I can. Uh, and I'll, I'll do it right now. Greetings to you. I am Brother Minister Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. I am sure my teacher is deeply concerned 
about what is happening in black America today that is put two of our young men one a great basketball player Kyrie Irving and another brother who is called a rapper but he's so much more than that Brother Ye and the controversy that is swirling around these two men that is causing, unfortunately, division among a people that can least afford to be broken more apart because of misunderstanding and unfortunately parts of ignorance. I'd like to start with Brother Kyrie. What did he do wrong? What did he do? He's searching for the knowledge of himself. He's searching to know who he is, who he belongs to. What is his root in this world? And some of you that are persecuting him are the very ones that took away from him and from us the knowledge of self. You took our language. You took our culture. You took our history. You took our minds and inserted your mind into our mind through your systems. And now God has come to lift us from this terrible condition that you have placed us in. So he saw a movie titled From Hebrews to Negroes. It's an interesting title because many of our people don't know anything about being a, he- a Hebrew. We didn't name ourselves Newt, a Negro. They named us that because they put us in the condition that that name represents. Kyrie and Yay. And all of you now that are involved in the conversation, could you just step back a moment and let's reason together. He saw the movie. It was well researched. The people that did it, they had a purpose. The purpose of those people was to show us how we got from Hebrew to Negro. As I watched that, I could see my brother 
He's not thinking about hating somebody. He's thinking about learning more about himself because we are tired of being what others have made us. We must become ourselves again. And he was interested in that journey, and I can listen to him, and I can see him, and I can see that's the journey that he's on. He's not trying to hurt the nets. He's not trying to hurt the brothers that are playing ball with him. But he is trying to be true to himself. That is what Kyrie is trying to do. Find his own, accept his own, and be himself. I heard an intelligent brother, not a foolish man, but a man that has found something that is more valuable for him than being loved as a great, fantastic ball player. So many of you, my brothers, who are former players, and you've been so good at it, and you know who your managers have been, you know who your accountants have been and are. You know who your agents have been and are. You know who the owners of the teams that you play on, whether it's basketball, football, I don't know, whatever it is, you know who they are. And because of your greatness, they have decided that you should become rich. For hundreds of years, they didn't decide like that. For hundreds of years, they loved that you were poor and talented so they could be your managers. They could be your agents. So Kyrie saw the movie And he wanted to share it with those that follow him. These people aren't anti-Semitic. Every one of them ain't never done nothing against you as a Jewish person. Why? Why owners of the um, nets? Why, why did you feel threatened? He didn't call you out by name. He just said he he saw something and he put it up. You called it what? An anti-Semitic trope. The movie is almost a little over two hours. I'm sure there are things in there that you didn't like. But there are many things that you all have written about us that we don't like. 
You have been the one making us hate who we are and hate our origin in the world. You're the one that made Tarzan and told us that that's uh, part of us. You've done all of this to us. And we couldn't say nothing. You're the one that made a darkie, a little black sambo. And you made us to see that as who we are. Can't you see that we are tired of that? So because I and others of knowledge are spreading knowledge of God, knowledge of self, knowledge of the time, and also knowledge of an enemy. Because we couldn't be in a condition like this if we're all, all of you were our friends. We have enemies and those enemies have dropped us down in the barrel of waste. We're not around here hating you. But we tell the truth of what we know of what some of you have done to put us in the condition that we're in. Kyrie found something. I want you to say that you are sorry for saying something that is anti-Semitic. And he kept telling you, I can't be anti-myself. You didn't want to hear that. You know you came from us. You know that you are not the father of humanity. We know our history and we know yours. We don't like what you're doing to Kyrie or to Ye. And when we see how you want to break him, destroy him, to keep him from saying anything that might enlighten our people. And you decided to break him. You decided to put fear into men like Charles Bogley and LeBron James and other black men who had become rich and powerful. You wanted to say, you were saying to them as you were lynching Kyrie, you all better get the point. You all better get the message. They don't want you rising up into that knowledge that will make you a real man and not a glorified punk. I'm saying to the ADL, sir, we, we know you. And we know that we know you and you know that we know you. Don't talk to Kyrie by himself. He can go and look at the uh, horror of the Holocaust. Why don't you come and look at the horror of what your parents have done to black people in America and throughout the world? Why don't you come and study and repent of your evil to us 
then maybe we can sit down and have a talk like civilized human beings. Yeah, Ye is not a hater. Ye is a lover. Kyrie is the same. But he wants to stand on a principle. And you see him standing, how intelligent he he is, and the media keeps running at him with, why why don't you say you apologize for this anti-Semitism? You did the same thing to me. I've tried to have meetings with you. Let's dialogue about this. You don't want to dialogue with me. You want to dialogue with somebody that you know you can put down because of the power you have over them by giving them a contract and money that you can take from them if they say or do anything that you don't like. And whenever somebody like Kyrie or Ye rise up and you don't like it, you pull the chain. So we run out and dog our own brother because he did something for a principle. You will too. Life is bigger than paper with a white man's image on it. Life is bigger than a nice house and a nice car and a lot of bling bling. Life is bigger than an Oscar. Life is bigger than a belt. Life is bigger than something that says I am the best at what I do. I'm the most valuable player or my team won. But as a people, we are losing. We cannot afford to lose any of you. You are our kith and our kin, our flesh and our blood. And so I wanted to say something to help us to come together rather than break apart. Because it's Ye and Kari today. But what they're doing to them is to make you who are in the good graces of them, so you think. You see what we just did? Beloved uh, brothers and sisters, look. Your day is soon coming. I'm asking you stop beating each other up in the public. Stop doing that. But of course, that's what the master wants us to do. There's a slave here that's getting out of place. and Teach him a lesson. Beat him up. I'm saying to you, don't do that. Call your brother. Come and sit down with us. Tell us about this movie. 
We're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, <clears throat> we have some callers that's been waiting. We'll go straight to the phones. We're in open forum this evening. And you can join the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Time for an awakening. We'll be right back. With host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 215- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global Commits You Black family, to join your interconnected Commits You Black communities, escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. 
escape the digital plantation. I am an African. The death of my brother is also my death. Let me put this question to you again, because many foolish black middle classes and many foolish people who are eating well think that they can sit in America and watch this country destroy the African continents and watch this country destroy African Caribbeans and watch this country destroy Africans in Central and South America and think that these same people who destroy Africans abroad will not be the same people who destroy them in America. There are fools in this, this country who try to claim that they are not Africans, who claim that they do not see color, as if they're not seeing color makes any difference in the world. Simply because you don't see color doesn't mean somebody does not see you as color, and that's the issue. And you think then that you can sit in this country while this same nation and these same people that you sleep with and marry and love and so forth can go out and destroy African people and not think those people do not see you as African. Even though you choose not to see yourself as African, you better think again. You're out of your minds and you're headed for death. You must understand that. Hide behind it. I am an American. Ladies and gentlemen, the death and destruction of black people will follow those kind of abstractions. Probably the next five or ten years will indicate whether or not the black man can survive. Our struggle for survival is a very real struggle. And the white man has prepared genocide for black people. Unemployment, the black man is no longer necessary. Unemployment is going to be a way of life for black people. We are going to face increasing dangers and problems as the days pass. And we're totally unequipped as black people to deal with them. We're a part of a slave culture. We have no preparation. We have no black institutions capable of dealing with white racist institutions designed to serve only white people. We must deal with the problem that confronts black people by building black institutions, by understanding that only a separatist position is a viable position for black people. Any organization or any leader in America who today advocates integration is a foe and an enemy of black people and their survival in the coming years. this crooked game of power politics here in America, the Negro, namely the race problem, integration, civil rights issue, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne 
are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. And white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football. Listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening. With host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 8. 25 on the Sunday night edition of Time for an Awakening. We're in open forum this evening. You can get in, involved in the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Uh, let's go to 267. 267? 267, are you there? 267, going once. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Let's go to four 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 four. Hey, Yehudu, Yehudu, my brothers. How are you, sir? Hey, hey, I, I'm good. Hey, hey where Doctor Rogers? He all right? What's up with him? Uh, he, he he's all right. He, he's uh, um, he had a little setback, but he he's doing pretty good. He'll be back on soon. Okay. All right. Let me see. Uh. And you know, Dr. King got a, a little video, a little speech where he say something about these sell-out Negroes. He called them skinning, grinning. If you find that, man, that, that'll something, something them fools up, man. The skinning, grinning, the ones you be talking about. Hey, that's funny. But, uh, yeah, man. So now that we know who we are, so what next, man? I know what next, what I've been doing all along. But, uh, I will leave it out there for everybody to think or, or, or for themselves, man. But, uh, I'm going to let y'all know some intel I done found out, man. That dude in the wheelchair from Texas, he finna send some Bobby Lewis up there by four or five of the busloads of immigrants coming up there to Finley, man. So y'all get ready. All right? So y'all get ready for that intel by four or five busloads and then we head to Finley next, man. Well, that, 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 that intel is kind of late. They've been talking about that for the past two, three days. Okay, all right. No, once you know, I'm just putting it out there, brother. Uh, I'm just sharing information, man. I, you already know, but it's all good, man. But uh, did you see the movie yet? Uh, 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 he, uh, Hebrew, uh, the Negro. I sent it to y'all. You sent it to us. I, what, you sent it where? Uh, on uh, Messenger, man. Time for awakening. Every time when I send y'all something, I get I get the little message saying thank you for the info. Oh, you know what? I got, I got, 
I got it. I'll look. But yeah, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say what uh, in reference to it, if you you know. Well, it's the truth, man. It's the truth. Ain't nothing wrong. It's that's who we are. So we got we know who we are. So we gotta do our thing, man. And forget about them, man. But it's, I mean, everything coming out in the open now, man. It's a beautiful time to be alive, man. I'm gonna let y'all see the movie. You and Richard, if y'all ain't got it, I send it to you again. But hey, it's a fun time to be alive. The minister was right on time. But uh, hey, it's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. Hey, I, that's all I can say. It's fun time to see all this stuff coming out, man. And it's our time, man. And hey, there's so much going on, man. It's all truthful. And uh, I'm gonna leave it like that, man. Let somebody talk, man. Ain't so much info uh, out there now, man. And, and, and who, 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 the righteous ones gonna show up, and the ones that doing that clown, like you said, Shaq Barker, and all the rest of them skinny, grinning Negroes, for manufacturing, for Oh yeah, my man up there that uh, put that picture up. Okay, I guess he should have put up a picture uh, of the white Scott Daddy on the wall. Huh? That'd have been all right, huh? If he'd put a picture of that white fake one, just Scott Daddy, that's been good, man. It's stuff crazy, man. You do it, everybody. The real soldiers coming out now, man. And, and, and see, oh yeah, it was a lot going on down here. I mean, all over the country about black men don't support black women. Mm-hmm. All right, I sent y'all the numbers on the election too for uh, for uh, Stacy. Okay, ninety-three percent black women supported her, and eighty-seven percent of black men supported her. So these rednecks down here, they don't want black people in charge of being their governor because there was some more brothers and sisters running for uh, insurance commissioner, labor commissioner, for other matters. Down here in the redneck south, they still don't don't want us to be in charge of being their governor, but they'll send that buffoon up there to D.C. He'll put it right. If you you get there, he'll put it right with the rest of them clowns and fools and freaks up there in D.C. anyway, man. That's the way I look at it. So, uh, but uh, when I find the numbers on, on how they voted on for Walnut or whatever, but it's all a joke anyway, man. We already know how Walnut is. I, I know how he is. So, both of them ain't worth a damn, man, in two cents. Either one of them. So, it is what it is, man. Because all this stuff coming to an end, and wait, once we get ourselves together and, and know who we are and start doing what we're supposed to do and get our blessings. You think they in trouble now? You wait. When we get right with the Creator, what we supposed to be doing to keep these laws and, and, and commandments? That's all we got to do, man. <laughs> look, celebrating look, these holidays, huh? Let me. Uh, the, the, you said that um, um, you you, you um, gave some statistics on black support for Abrams, and well, you said you didn't have it on Warnock. Um, I'm, I'm just curious of uh, two things. Uh, what what are they saying down there? I'm talking about black folks. Because, listen, I don't care about the narratives that white folks are saying about black men not supporting. When you when you got a candidate that gets 87% or, or, or wait a minute, just split the difference. You said 93% of women and 87% of men, right? Yeah, black man. So, uh, yeah, so if folks. you if you split the difference, if you got a candidate that gets ninety percent 
of a of a uh, uh, a nationality's vote, then they got basically, uh, you know, they got the the that vote that they're looking for. They have it because on average, if she had ninety three percent of what uh, men women's votes and eighty seven percent, she averaged ninety percent of the black vote. So what are they saying in reference to it? I mean, they're still trying to uh, draw some division there. Well, that's what was going on the whole country, man. But that's what they were saying before the election. All right, that was a psyop move, uh, a doggone corn protest move. Because I was listening, to, I listened to a whole bunch of radio stations, even up there in uh, y'all stations, WURD. They were saying that about black men don't support black women. So I had to call in and let them know. Now I got the statistic. I sent it to Michael Cord. I mean, it was it was a psyop move all over the country to try to split us up, man. That was the whole deal. But see, the people got to realize black people are only 33% of the population in Georgia. Okay? If we all us, she would got 100% of all our vote, it still would have come on to, to the white demons because uh, they got they got 70-something percent of the population. Yeah, but, the, but, you, so, okay, huh? but, but you're saying that in reference to a statewide election. See, that's why, yes, that, that's why uh, the, the, some of the folks that we've had on here and some of the political uh, experts that we've had on here talk about a strategy of black people taking control of the areas that they dominate in population. And there's plenty, plenty of them in Georgia. There's plenty of them in, in Mississippi. You don't have to worry about necessarily a statewide election. You can take control of those counties, which are yeah. seven, some of them are 70 and 80 percent black. Yeah, that's what we're doing down here, man. My county, all I told you all before. I live in Gwinnett County. That's our suburb of Atlanta. It's, uh, it's changed. We took that over the county. I mean, because most of the city commissioners were in my county. All them black, even sheriff, black. So that's right. That's exactly what's happening, bro. Well, and, and the local municipalities. And, and, that's exactly what's happening. But when, we're, but when we're not cultivating our own candidates, the people that you see in a lot of the offices, and that's not just down south, that's up here. The people that you see that look like you don't have your interests at heart. I know. And see, what 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 I want to see is all uh, millennials and uh, Generation X, man. So like, like that brother down there in uh, Florida, he won, uh, uh, he's 25 years old, won a congressional seat. That's why I want to see all millennials and Gen X that's real for us. Get out there. I'm tired of old people. Like, if, if anybody over 40, hey, I'm tired of man. I'm tired of people our age. We should be, just be counsel, man, for them. So that's my plan. I'll sit you something about another group called uh, a grassroots, something with Brother Ray in there. So and uh, so we trying to start a whole other group where we put our own candidates up. I thought I think I've seen you a whole bunch of stuff, man. Y'all don't be looking at it open it up about this uh, with my sister uh, that owned that paper in California. All right, we getting together to start a whole nother group, man, where we pick our own candidates. So it's yeah, well, moving, it, man. Yeah, but there's plenty of it's, groups down there in your area that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. If the people are interested in doing something like that, there's plenty of folks down there that's already doing that. They don't have to keep reinventing yeah, the wheel. Right. Folks don't have to keep reinventing the wheel. Just work with one another. That's all. Yeah, that's good. That's what we're doing, man. That's what we attempt to do. Like you say, the ones that them youngers you had over here before from Atlanta, I'm uh, just working with Reverend Slaughter and all that. So it's coming together, man. Like you said, 
It, I mean, we take a, take a little bit of time, whatever, but everything coming in, coming like jello. Everything coming together, man. That's why I say all we got to do is concentrate on what we're doing, do our own thing, and, and some things got, uh, they ain't putting out there because I found out some more stuff today that's getting ready to happen. But uh, when it happens, uh, I mean naturally. All right, so it's going to be all right, man. We good. Hey, it's, we coming together, bro. Uh, peace and blessings. I'll let, let y'all talk, let, uh, enjoy the show. I love y'all, man. I just bring the truth, man. Uh, and trying to wake our folk up. Thanks for your contribution. Yes, all. All right. Let's go to 505. 505? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, sir. <clears throat> uh, everything that uh, Minister Farrakhan is saying is on the money. That's all I got to say at this point. I mean, I mean, uh, like he said, Kyrie is just, you know, trying to find himself, trying to find out where, who he's about, what he's about. And uh, these people here, the truth, they ain't, they're not going to accept the truth on no level from no, from, no, from no people of color, black people, African-Americans, Africans, whatever you want to call them. They just, they're just not going to accept it. What they say is, is law, God, I mean, that's it. So, uh, hey. We got to just stick together, man, no matter what. I mean, <laughs> you have a good show. I appreciate listening to your show on Sundays when I can remember what time it comes on. But <laughs> that's all I got to say, man. Thank you. Thanks for your contribution, brother. Yes, sir. Let's go to 215. 215. Good evening, Brother Elliot. Good evening, Brother Richard. How y'all doing tonight? How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Our praises be to our life. Brother Elliot, before I talk about these the, the phony uh, so-called chosen people who call themselves the chosen people, those phony Zionists, you know, brother, I'm glad Brother West said what he said about the percentage of our people. And, and Brother West made it clear. He said 93% of black women voted for Stacey, right? And he said uh, 87% of black men voted for Stacey, all right? And she lost. She lost because the same way Hillary Clinton lost to Trump in 16, because white women voted for the for the devils. They voted for uh, Kemp. Am I right or wrong? Oh, well, I, we, I mean, I don't know. I would assume they I mean, did. I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because like, mm-hmm. you, you already knew those white men weren't going to vote for uh, for Stacey Abrams. Those old racist white bigots down in Georgia, you know, they weren't going to vote for no black woman. So, yeah, so just, 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 for, just by the process of elimination, Ellie, like, just using common sense, that's process of elimination. If she got 90, again, if she got 97% of the black women and 80, 93% of black women and, and, and 87% of black men, according to Brother West, then that means if she if should have got the, the, the larger percentage of white women votes, she would have won. But obviously those white women join their white brethren, they join their white uh, uh, male counterparts and voted for, uh, voted for Brian Kemp. I mean, it's just pretty much clear cut. Because, Elliot, look, as I said to you and Red Brother Richard many times on this show, See, black people always talk about, well, the white man is the, is bad. And he is bad. He's the devil. There's no question about that. But what nobody never focuses on is that white woman. I said this many times. You go back to hear some of your old 
series from Thomas from Awakening. That white woman can be just as racist and vile as her white male counterpart. They join right in with it. See, they'll, they'll, now they always talk about feminism, right? They talk about feminism and womanism and all that stuff, but they'll, they'll put that over racism. You know what I mean? They, they know Brian Kemp is anti-abortion and all that stuff. They know he, that he wanted to get rid of abortion, but yet, yet they're supposed to be so pro-life, but they went right along with their white male and voted for somebody that would try to, and I'm not putting Stacey Abrams on no pedestal because I mean, she, at the end of the day, she, she, I don't like her attitude, but I'm just putting it, putting it out there from just a, for just a for open standpoint and dealing with the reality of how you know politics is played and stuff. I guess Stacey Abrams, if she was in, she would be more sensitive to their needs of having abortion or pro-life or whatever, pro-choice, but she voted, or I mean pro-choice or whatever, but they went in on it and said, how was Stacey, even though she might be, be, might be down with us as far as getting abortion, we're going to still vote for our white man, Brian Kemp, and this is what white women always do, so, so this thing about this black woman, white woman alliance, nothing could be further from the truth, because like I always say, these white women are, can be just as violent racist as their... Um, Male counterpart, because don't forget, Ellie, the, 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 there was the white woman that shot the, the white cop, female cop, that viciously murdered his brother down in Texas when he was eating ice cream, and since she thought his apartment was hers. The white woman that killed the brother down in uh, Oklahoma, Tans Crutcher, three years ago. And, and of course, the white female cop that killed the brother in Minnesota the other year, remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, I mean, we see case after case, they just as racist. They think they shoot out people down the street just like their well, their white male counterparts do. So, there's no difference between them. They just, they just like their well male counterparts and stuff and Stacey Abrams she 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 again she got a rude awakening but see again that's how slick the white devil media is so they're gonna keep on trying to and you got these silly negroes like brother West said on, on WRD that gonna call up their far right fall for that nonsense instead of calling white women out and say they was the reason why Stacey didn't win they want to say black men didn't how the hell can black men be the reason why she didn't win when 87 percent of black men voted for this woman how did that sound stupid and stuff you know what I mean that sounds asinine but see, again, we always want to, uh, like, we always want to pair with these white racist devils saying the media. So we, so we say the same stuff. Well, it was black. If black men would have came out and voted, they should have won. Well, black men came out and voted. They can't do no better than what they did. Like you said, the Brother West, and you combine those two, it was 90, she got 90% of the black vote between male and female uh, black people. She got the 90%, and she lost because white race, racist-ass white women voted for the white man. That's the bottom line. No, no, nothing else to be said about that. It is what it is, you know? You know, and, and, and before I talk about the, this, this controversy with the, with the so-called Jews, you know, when you're talking about black towns and stuff, you know, black businesses, you're talking about West about the things. About, it's funny we mention that, Elliot, because I was listening to National Public Radio, I think it was, uh, yes, it was either yesterday or the, that might have been today, and they were saying about how Jackson, Mississippi, using that city as an example, that was the thing, as you know, we got a black mayor there, and the brother's doing some hell of a job under some, some very stressful situations out there, brother. Chalk, Chalk, how you pronounce his name, Elliot? You're talking about Chokeway. Well, say it again, Elliot. Chokeway. Brother Chugway, he's doing a hell of a job under the circumstances. You know, he's done with, with, with a racist white governor who got our people down there, you know, drinking terrible water, toxic water, and everything else. So the brother trying to do the best he can to try to, you know, get our people so improve our people's quality of life. And I say, and I bring up Jackson. They was talking about on the radio. They said, this is getting how, how integration has done to our people, according to the system. Who she, she was the descendants, Elliot, of some of our black folks back in the day when, they, when we had forced segregation, where black folks was forced 
to, to, to sell, you know, to, to, uh, support their own businesses, restaurants, schools, whatever. And the sister was saying she was saying that her great great grandfather had a business and had businesses that was thriving during that during the height of segregation. She said the sad part about it. And this was her exact words, brother Elliot and brother Richard, in the time from the Wicked Listening audience. She says the sad part about it. She says that soon as integration came and and we could sit and eat in the white man's restaurant and go to his stores, she said, we stopped almost automatically, we stopped supporting our own businesses. And, you know, that if she said that in Jackson, that was pretty much the way it went all over the country, even Atlantic City, where black businesses was thriving. As soon as integration opened up, black people stopped supporting their business. And that's why the Negro Leagues went under. You know what I mean? So we can point to example after example. And she was saying that's the hurtful part about it. She said, well, as soon as we could sit there and eat with these people who didn't want us in their restaurants and stores, she said, we just forgot about our own economics. And that's hurt our economics. See, that hurt our generational wealth. Cause, you know, white people are good on building generational wealth. Well, when we stopped supporting our own black businesses and stuff. We used to destroy generational wealth and stuff, man. And that was the sad part about because you had niggas that were so insistent upon integration with, the, with, with your open enemy that you could stop, stop supporting your own. And, and by doing so, Brother Elliot, not and Brother Richard, not only did you destroy black businesses, you destroyed decades and decades of possible generational wealth. You see what I'm saying? And and and, and, that's, and that's and that's sad, man. And that's a horrible thing that they did. They don't remember the mistake they did. Well, anyway, long story short, the sister was saying that she, because of nostalgia, she says you got Parsley Jackson trying to come back. She said she was a street in Jackson that was that was like the it was like kind of like the Harlem, Harlem Renaissance of the day. She said black businesses were striving back then. Yeah, black black club. This was in Jackson, Mississippi. Now, and she was saying that that she gonna. You know, honor her, her ancestors, her, her great great grandparents, them who had these stores and, and businesses. She said she she's trying to get them back up. She said she had talked to other like-minded black people to build up this. I think the street was called Bear Street or whatever. I, I might have had a name of the street wrong in Jackson, but it was either Bear Street, something like that. And that was a that, that it was kind of like Bear Street was kind of like Elliot, the, the big street back then, like you had down in 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 in. Uh, in uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, it's kind of like a almost like a Black Wall Street type thing. It was yeah, thriving black businesses in the midst of segregation, forced segregation. And she said, "We want to try to get that back." She said, "Because that that we said, if our people can see that we can, we did it back then. We can sure do it now." So I wish I pray to sister number success that she can get that done with other like-minded black people to get those businesses thriving back in Jackson, Mississippi, along with getting our water cleaned up down there. So our people have decent water to drink, to grow their vegetables and fruits, and decent water to bathe and stuff. And so I'm praying that that be a success because that's what's needed around the country and stuff, Ellis. So I applaud that sister for, for, for taking on that initiative. And she said she wanted to put her own money up. She said she done went and got loans. She used her own personal savings. So the sister's serious, man, about honest that legacy what our ancestors did back so I, I applaud that sister in Jackson, Mississippi, you know. And Elliot on this thing, and, I'm, and Elliot, how sad is that when you played the clip of that Negro, and I, and I say he's a Negro, that black city councilman you, that, that you played, he sounds just like old house nigga. Excuse my language, Elliot. Well, you know, you, 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 you know, you know that Merle that you put up a Farrakhan, you know it's going to offend the white people, come with mainly the Jews, of course. He sounds like a little old house nigga, man. Like here in 2022, you got a black man speaking so cowardly, so punk. Like Mr. First Side said, I glorify punk and stuff. Here, here you like a little white man's nigga. You're going to sit there and, and, and say so you're having some backbone and say, well, you know, uh, you know, 
whether you agree with Minister Farrakhan or not, I, you know, no, I don't see no harm in putting up his mural. You know, we we, we can have dialogue with the Jewish community and stuff like that. If you go to sis, I could go in along with that, but talk like a little house white man's nigga. Well, you know, you know, you know that you're going to offend white people. Well, how the hell like Minister say, how about them offending us? They, they, they have no problem offending us anytime they want to. Call our people niggas. Call our people monkeys and all that kind of stuff. You got a Jewish rabbi, call our people monkeys and stuff, and them niggas would hold up their damn mouth. I get, I'm telling you, man, and as, as a 61 years old, I I get so tired, man. I'm saying just ways when you get tired of these handkerchief head, boot licking Negroes. Okay, whether they male or female, they number white men flunkies and stuff. They make you sick and stuff. I always want to suck up to these people, man. Kiss these people ass while they killing our people, doing all kinds of stuff, creating laws to oppress our people. Got people living in ran down neighborhoods with food deserts. You name it. Any you name any kind of atrocity, the white man got our people in India, and all these Negroes get up there and, and be a Apologies for them, like like the and like the minister said about these ball players, like LeBron James, uh, Charles Barkley. They, that, they, that that wasn't just for Kyrie; that was to keep them Negroes in line. So just y'all Negroes say anything, we'll do the we'll do to you, we'll do to you what we do on the Kyrie. It's a message and stuff. I, I just get so tired about people butt backbiting and butt dancing and, and, and extraction where they don't itch and stuff. Man, it makes you sick, man. I just get sick of it, man. I mean, I mean, here he you for he for he now he gonna sit there and say, well, you only you only did that to make it stuff look good. Well, like Brother Richard said earlier, well, if he's a black city councilman or whatever, or black, well, he's supposed to want to look good. Of course you want to look good for your people. That's why, that's why the hell they put you there for, so you can look good for them and do the things you can. That sounds like, he's like a complete idiot saying that, man. You know? I, oh, man, I just, like I said, I hate to be redundant. I just get so sick and tired of these Negroes. These, I don't care whether they're male or female. I have, I, have, I have very short patience and tolerance for these house niggas today, man. I'm sick of them. As far as I'm concerned, they, can be, they need to be actually ostracized from the black community. I don't care if they male or female, Republican or Democrat. I'm sick of, like I said, Raphael Warnock, Tim Scott. You got one is a Democrat, one is a, a Republican. They both two handkerchief-head Negroes. I'm sick of all of them and stuff, man. They make you sick. And they, and they go for the females of both parties, too, that's black. Whether you're talking about a... Uh, whether you're talking about a... Uh, uh, the, the, the former uh, senator who's vice president, now Kamala Harris, and, 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 and some of the other shit head blacks, they got over there in the Republican Party. All they are is number traitors to their people, like the brother said in that clip that you play. Anybody that in this day and age, Elliot, they, they keep talking about integration into this system, talking about integrating, they, they, like the brother said in the clip you play, they number the traitor to their people, man. And they all need to be called out. They, the simple as they need to be called out for, 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 for who they are, traitors. They got, got Sharpton. Here's the handkerchief head, little throat. Thomas, some Kyrie got the punishment he deserved. Black people need to need to boycott that little short Jerry Curl ran Negro like Brother Jay Carlin, perm daddy. To sit there and say that about Kyrie, you little handkerchief head. I mean, them niggas they make you sick and stuff, man. But I mean, I, I, let me I say I didn't get off my soapbox, man. Thanks for letting me express myself. I mean, I'm like I these niggas they they they, 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 get, they make my blood pressure go up, man. But but thanks for letting me express myself. They put me on mute and I'll listen to the rest of the show. Thank you for your comment. You're welcome. Uh, again, let's go to two six seven two six seven two six seven. Are you there? Put them on hold. Let's go to t- uh, another two six seven two six seven. Yes, Elliot. Yes, I'm. I'm basically listening, but let me tell you something. These imposters, things will be uncovered. We must focus. And Elliot, here's the other thing, you and Richard, your program's so great. 
I think you about the only was gonna play this session with what you do. That's always good. So I'm gonna listen more. Well, I mean, uh, thanks for your comments. Uh, anything else did you want to throw in? Well, um, I'm gonna do some listening. I'll do that. Okay. Thanks for your contribution, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Let's go to three four seven. Three four seven. Yeah, what's going on, Richard and Elliot? Yes, sir. Listen, you know it's real funny how everybody talks about the black male, the black woman, and the white woman, and they leave out the individuals who really swung the vote that nobody ever wants to talk about that damn Latino. And it always happens, man, that people don't see them as individuals who always go in along with they supposed white sides. And in the process, we always get a foot in the behind because of the simple fact that they are the true swing vote. People think the blacks are the swing vote. Nah, it's the Baba Louie. Baba Louie is the swing vote when it's all said and done. Because, see, the reality yeah, well, is... I mean, well, wait a minute. They don't go to these states necessarily appealing to Latinos. I mean, if you if you if you watch your if you watch your if you watch if you watch if you watch your television, they don't pull these people out to to appeal to uh, Latino votes. They go to the they they pull. See, you're not listening. They pull their heavy artillery out. Obama came out the last three weeks of that election not to appeal to Latino votes. They pulled that uh, Obama out to appeal to black votes. In a lot of these states where it was so-called swing states, it was the black vote that pushed these candidates over. In Pennsylvania, it was the black vote that didn't vote for Oz but voted for Fetterman. It was the black vote to vote, vote this guy Shapiro in over the other guy, the Trump candidate. It's the black vote that's the swing vote. No, it's really not. Okay, that's well, the, whatever. That's the, message, right. that's the message that they put out. But when you look right. at the numbers of the amount of votes that they get from the Latino, that's what really puts them over the edge along with the um, black vote. But nobody wants to really address or deal with that. If the numbers the, are the Latino, can I just finish the point? What's the number of Please votes let me that finish the, the point. For the Latinos. I'm, I'm Excuse you, me? What was the percentage of Latino votes in that election in Georgia? Probably around for the probably around forty to forty five percent. Wait a minute, where'd you get those the, figures? Where'd you get you said probably no, I'm saying did you hear the word that I used? Well why don't you pull up did the you figures? Hear the word that I used? Why would you say something said, if you don't have any evidence behind it? Because the evidence is this. This is the evidence. There is no evidence. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, never, yeah, okay. Yes, it is. They never give out those numbers. If you if you go and you search about how many votes was from black males, everybody jumps out and said it was 87% of black males, and I think it was something like 80-some percent for black women. But if you look for the, for the amount of votes that was given from the Latino, you never find the votes. 
It's just like when you talk about the Kemp winning and Hershey Walker and Warnock having to go to a runoff. They'll never say out loud that if all of the people that voted for Kemp voted for Walker, it wouldn't be no runoff. Now, now West could tell you that. Kemp got over, I think, 500,000 votes. Walker got 400 and some thousand votes, close to 500,000. But if everybody that was a Republican that voted for Kemp voted for Walker, he would have beaten Warnock. That's just a fact. But nobody talks about it. You never hear the media go into in-depth or discuss that or anything of that nature. They just say that a lot of Republicans couldn't vote for Walker because they, I guess, couldn't stomach him or anything like that. So the new point is that, yeah, it's a runoff, and we now don't know how these individuals that didn't vote for him, if they're going to now vote for him. And nobody knows what the independents are going to do. So luckily, they were able to win the Senate without Warnock. So it plays out the way it plays out. The reality is that if you look at what's going on really in the country and nobody's really talking about it, it's the Latino vote that is causing problems for the so-called Democrats because there's too many of them that are voting for the Republicans. But, hey, that's, that's their issue, whatever. It played out the best that it could play out. And ain't nothing going to get done in the Congress. And very little is going to get done in the Senate because if anybody thinks that Biden and Mitch McConnell working together, they need to just look at history and see when Mitch McConnell and Biden ever worked together in history, how black people got screwed every time. So... I mean, hey, you know, they're going to do whatever they're going to do. But let me just get to this Kyrie Irving thing right here. Now, I mean, I got my issues with Farrakhan, but I, I must agree with him on this one. What's happening to Kyrie Irving is just blatant emasculation. And if he goes along with these so-called six stipulations, that he's supposed to go along with to get back on the team, then as far as I'm concerned, I lose all damn respect for him. He'll be nothing but a boy to me. Because there's no reason whatsoever he should have to go along with those six stipulations basically supposedly having a union behind him and then being able to have certain freedom of speech provisions in this country. And secondly, and thirdly, and fourthly, a man who's made all of that money that he's made over these last 11 years should be able to tell them to kiss his ass. Because that's what I would do. You know what I mean? Because the bottom line is, and nobody's going to say this, or nobody's going to admit to this, he will never get paid his value 
as a basketball player in the NBA ever again based on his talent. He'll never get a max contract. He'll never, ever make over $10 million a year, if that much, just based on this incident alone and the whole thing that happened with him not taking the vaccination. And he's, and he's a max talent player still. Because if you look at the average 31-year-old player with his talent, all of them, all of them have gotten a contract in the 35 and above million a year mark. Everybody, 31 years old on his at his skill level, he's top. He's he's definitely top 15 player in the NBA. But he will never, ever, ever get a max contract, and he'll never get a contract more than worth the uh, the NBA minimum, um, the mid the mid level minimum, which is probably around seven eight million dollars a year. Don't nobody will never do it, which alone should make him not capitulate to a owner who won't even deal with the atrocities that's going on in his country with the Muslims and the type of shenanigans that he's been involved with, with Alibaba. I mean, it's, it, it, it's just crazy, but you know, the thing is there's been a couple of players in the NBA who have spoken out about it. So my question now becomes, you know, is the union going to stand up and fight for him if he decides he's not going to capitulate and um, go along with those things? Or he's just basically going to be referred to as a boy now? Because that's what I would refer to him as a boy if he capitulates to all six of those issues, especially if it's been determined by the so-called authorities that he's not an anti-Semite, then if I'm not an anti-Semite, why well, I got to capitulate the Jews then? You know? But nobody nobody never wants to address that that part of the issue. So, you know, I guess, I guess he going to get screwed. But, you know, hey, that's that's him. But I, I wouldn't go along with it. It ain't no reason it ain't no reason to go along with it because nobody else has been asked to go along with that. You know what I mean? Now the last person who made some sort of homophobic or um anti Semitic remarks in the NBA by his limit, they just got rid of him. He's he's like basically blackball. They got rid of Enos Cantor. Um, because of the stances that he's he's taken, so they're not gonna you know let him back in the league. But neither one of them have the talent that Kyrie Irving have. So I mean, now they'll just financially lowball him for the rest of um you know his existence. And um, what would be the purpose of me capitulating and getting on my knees if I know? I'm going to be disrespected and treated in that way. Would you get on your knees and capitulate? Uh, no. No, no, no. And I don't think he will. Well, we, we don't, we don't, we don't know yet. Cause they, cause it hasn't been determined. 
He's met with the commissioner. That's one. He's met with the owner. That's two. I don't know what he's did. He's apologized. That's three. I don't know about the other the other three. Now the other three is which I have a problem with taking the sensitivity course. Um. Uh. Um. Um. As far as. Well, they didn't have to put in a stipulation for him to meet with the owner and, and the commissioner. He yeah, was going to do that anyway. Yeah, but he was going to do that anyway. Huh? He was going to do that anyway. Meet with the owner yeah, and the, the commissioner. Of, that was part of the that was part of the, the stipulation. Give five hundred thousand dollars to some Jewish organization, I think, to take a Jewish sensitivity course and to meet with the Jews. Those are the three that I don't know if he's done so far. But I wouldn't have done the last three. You couldn't get five hundred thousand from me after I'd have lost the after I'd have, he done lost so far like maybe one point five million. And this is his sixth game tonight that he's he was supposed to have a five game suspension. Tonight is his sixth game. And then the owner earlier today said something about he hasn't completed what he's he's been asked to do. And I just told him, well, kiss my ass, man. Get out of here. You know, I'm not your boy. You know what I mean? You ain't even an American citizen. And you trying to you trying to pump me because I'm the older. Oh, man, it was, it was it got ugly with me because if I got money, yeah, well, he he, he he shouldn't be. But he shouldn't be out there by himself. It's it's other players. Yeah, but, that, that, but but the thing is this though: there's been other NBA players who said that's what being asked of him is not right. The question is, and I haven't heard from the union saying blah 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 blah. Now the second in charge of the union said something. The, the the head of the union said something, but it wasn't as strong as what the second in charge of the union said. Didn't hear nothing from the president of the union. And, um, you know, at this point in time, they're supposed to say, well, enough is enough. We, we're going to now have to take this into some sort of litigation um, for you. What's called? Because the reality is, you either keep them home or you waive them. If you waive them, you got to pay them his money. If you keep them home, I think you still got to pay him his money too. Indefinite suspension. I don't know for how long they can indefinitely suspend them for. You know what I mean? So it's one of those situations now. Are you gonna man up or you gonna get pumped? I hope he don't. I hope he don't allow himself to be pumped because if they do it to him. What what happened to the next one that make a mistake or say something? And on top of that, he never said anything. So there's some freedom of speech issues involved. There's some litigation really involved with this. You know what I mean? That even though the, the, the courts are rigged, like what happened to that brother you were speaking at the beginning of the show, Jam Master Jay, or whatever his whatever his name is, you know, um there have been some from from um January sixth that have gone to jail for their for their um treachery and for what they've done. I mean, I don't know um you know 
the details, but I know I do know one of the police officers from retired police officers from New York New York City got seven years. Um, for I think dragging somebody or doing yeah, something. Yeah, I, I know that, I know that the, some of the guys that went to jail uh, or still been sentenced to jail. Uh, how many right. of them been sentenced for murder? Um, I don't, I don't know. How many of them been charged with murder? How many of them been charged with murder? I don't know if anybody was charged with murder. They wasn't. They wasn't. I couldn't, I couldn't, they, I couldn't they, tell they, you that. They wasn't. And I just read, oh, okay. the, I just read the case where the, the, the two guys that sprayed this guy with bear spray that led to the heart attack the next day, they wasn't charged with murder. They were charged with misdemeanors. Okay. They were yeah, initially I mean, charged I, with I, felonies I that. that wasn't murder. And they negotiated them down to misdemeanors. Well, I mean, you know, a good lawyer could, 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 depending on if the government wants you or not, you know, you could get a lot of things um, negotiated down. It depends on the, your color, and it also depends on what your your wallet look like. So, I mean, that 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 is what it is. But I mean, the bottom the bottom line is, you know, one has to ask yourself two things. You can get that. Would you say anybody can get anything negotiated down? Yeah, yeah. If you got the if you if you got the if you got the right skin color and you got the money, you can get things negotiated down. If you ain't got okay. the right skin color and you ain't got the money, you're not getting nothing negotiated down. I mean, that that's the law. That's that's the reality of how that system. Well, let, let works. me let me let me read this to you before we uh, uh, move on, uh, because I want to help you with when I asked you to uh, produce some information to what you were uh, asserting, you couldn't. So I'll help you with that uh, because it's, it's easily accessible. There's plenty of sites that have that information. But let me read In this regards to, to the Babalui, I would say. In regards to Latino votes. I don't know. I don't even know what the Babalui means. But let me Babalui read. is the Puerto Rican Latino. Yeah, well, uh, the, come on. Just, the, listen. The, the, you when you, when you, wait a minute. Bad. When you mention the people, just mention their nationality. They don't mention that all that. That's foolishness. That's foolishness. Well, you could say, well, you could say. Let me read. Let me read. The, okay. Well, that's what you say. That's what you say. That's what you say. Let me, but let me help you with this. Uh, I'll kind of skip down because uh, there's plenty of sites that have the information of the 5 million votes cast in November election about uh, November? Two, say that again November this year yeah okay in Atlanta Georgia Georgia okay Georgia hold on a second <clears throat> of the 5 million votes cast in November election about uh, 205,000 of those came from the Latino community, which totals about 4.1% of the total electorate in the state of Georgia. Georgia estimates that right now there are 88,000 Latinos in Georgia who are eligible and have not registered to vote. Okay, now let me go to this other site because it says there they only they're 4.1% of the electorate. Uh, this one from the Georgia Recorder. Uh, here it is. Um, uh, self-identified voters self-identified as Latino or Hispanic who expressed their preferences and for candidates in Georgia 
Uh, Georgia Hispanic population demographic is now accounts for less than 5% of registered voters. Okay, this says less than 5%. The other one said they were 4.1%. So if you deem that as a swing vote, then it's a swing vote. I'm, I'm not even going to go back and forth about that. Uh, uh, electorate with 4.1% of the vote and one with less than 5%. Okay. If that, if you consider that a swing vote, because you said before they were 40%, it's 40%. That's, that's nowhere near the facts. So, you know, if you want to discuss uh, Puerto Rican, or, if you want to discuss Puerto Rican and Latino votes, but that's the, what I was talking about. The what? I'm not talking about 40% of the population. I'm talking about... I didn't say 40% of the population. So why with the vote? I just said that. How much did they... What was the percentage of their vote? That's. I just that's read that much, to you. I mean, that's 5%. How much, how much percentage did they vote for the Republican? For the Republican? I'm talking about their total votes. You can find that out. You can find that out and just bring the information back because what you said is totally wrong. And I don't, and I, wait a minute. Hold, 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 hold it. Hold it. I don't know. The, I don't know. Wait a minute. You come back. I'm not, listen, hold it. I don't care about the Latino vote. You do. So, okay. Well, hey, listen. Thanks for you. Yeah, great. Thanks for They were, they weren't no swing vote. They weren't no swing vote. Thanks for your contribution, brother. And I don't know why you're concerned you about them. Are you Latino? I'm trying to get the number right. Are you Latino? You said they were 5%, right? You said they were 5% of the Georgia registered voters, right? And black. No, you find that out. You find it out. You said they were 40%, which is totally wrong. No, no, you find you it out. My point. You missed my point. You missed my point, and you're not listening now. Because I'm asking you a question, and you clarified it, but if you would listen, you would understand what I'm saying to you, but you're not listening. You said that they were 5% of the registered voters. My question to you is, how many percentage is the blacks in Georgia? The blacks in Georgia are what, 13%? No. How much? You find it out. We didn't discuss it on the program several times. You well, find you that out. They're not. Th- they're not thirteen percent. Okay. In so fact, if you if you if you were listening to West, hey, come on, man. I'm not listen. If you were listening, come on, man. Two people can't talk at the same time. Two people can't talk at the same time. If you were listening to West when he was on here instead of ready to criticize a lot of the men, he told you what the percentage was. And here we already discussed it on the program. I know what the percentage of black voters is. Registered black voters in in, in Georgia is. So before you come to the end, make all types of silly assertions about bombies or whatever. It's 40 percent. Get the facts straight and then come and say whatever you're going to say. I don't have no problem with you saying what you're going to say, but at least have your facts straight. Thanks for your contribution, man. You, if you had just listened to what I was saying to you. Come on, I heard you. You've been on for 15 minutes. You said that they were 5 percent. My assertion based on their 5% was this. When I said 45%, 45% of that 5% voted for the Republicans. That's what my assertion was. Just like 87% of whatever the black population is in Georgia voted for the Democrats. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for the contribution, brother. Have a good day, man. All right. Peace. Uh, uh, this Negro is unbelievable. 
Let's go to four four three. <clears throat> four four three. Can can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you have exchanges like that, brother brother Richard, there's there's no value in that. And 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 the and I think you know that because I hear you when you get frustrated and uh, no one is no one is listening. And I <laughs> and I love I love listening to your show because I I, I learn. I, I do. I really do. I'm, I'm calling from Baltimore. I, I really do learn uh, when, when I listen to you. I, I very seldom call. I'm a longtime listener and a first-time caller. But let's be perfectly clear when it comes to the Latinos or the Koreans or any other group of people. Have you ever seen a, a voters, a Koreans voters table set up in the mall? No. Uh, they don't. They, and I'm gonna tell you why. Uh, you've never seen an Italian voters table set up in the mall, but you see black people standing behind a table saying, we're going to get out to vote. That's because they, as Claude Anderson said, they buy their politicians. If I give you a $10,000 for your campaign and then you come along, Richard, and vote, who do you think he's going to pay attention to? Me or the guy, you or the guy that gave him the $10,000. So we, I think what we, we as, as a people, uh, we we we're figuring this thing out. We we got this. We we figured it out, and we understand that when the black people come and say we're having a uh, voter registration, well, let's not have voter registration. Let's have voter education. Mm. Let's teach people who they're voting for and what they're voting for in the town hall meeting. Yes. And go through each question yes. for the judges and, and the money they give into the park. Let's let's do it like that, and then people will know what they're voting for. But we're running up here talking about my people died for, like the lady told me, this is my last point. She said, young man, are you voting? I said, first of all, I'm not a young man, but I look young. But I, I, uh, that's, that's, I really don't want to discuss that. You know, you need to vote because people died for you to vote. I said, no, they weren't singing voting songs. They were singing freedom songs. <laughs> they were voting. And so the freedom to, for me to have the freedom to vote or not vote. They didn't, they didn't say we're going to vote tomorrow. They said we're going we're gonna to be free tomorrow. So when people tell you that they died for your right to vote, that's not really true. When there's nothing, for, there's no one for you to vote for because I was taught not to vote for evil. And I hear, how many people have you heard, I'm voting for the lesser of two evils? You still vote for evil. So what is, and, and there are other ways to get where we need to go other than voting. I mean, you can buy these politicians. They're for, they're for sale. Most of them are entrepreneurs anyway. They in, they politicians for life. That's that's their job. Mm-hmm. So let's buy them. Come on now. I listened to your show and you said it many a time. This uh, that that one lady. She's not. She doesn't care about her district. She never did. She cares about that paycheck. And this is where they are, brother. Thank you for letting me speak. I love your show. Keep doing what you're doing, and I'm gonna keep listening. Hey, don't be a stranger, brother. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you. <laughs> Let's go to uh, 469. 469. Hello, how are you all doing today? Great. <laughs> Interesting dialogue. Look, <clears throat> we need your voting does not really make that much difference. And you get these jokers in. Look, let's cut through the chase. We went out and voted. And we put Obama in office for not one term, but two terms. What did we get out of the deal? Nothing. The gays got something. The 
everyone else got something. And what do we get? Well, the Republicans are blocking us at every turn, and we can't get things done. Now, he came on and tongue-lashed black folk, and but when that man jumped up and called him a liar, what did he do? He's quiet as a church mouse. Now, he, he can lash out at black folk, talk about black folk and not being responsible and so forth and this, that, and the other. Talk down to black folk. But when this man jumps up in the middle of his address and calls him a liar, what does he do? Nothing. The way that we get something done, folk, is just like what they did with the Montgomery boycott. You withhold your money from these folk, and they will give you anything that you want. Only problem is that we have classism within the black community. When Dr. King was doing that, we were all living together. <laughs> now you have classism, and you've got a lot of these black folk who are who can stand poor black people. They can't stand them. And they're worse, if you listen to them, their rhetoric is worse than white folk. So, you know, you have to get rid of them first, and then we can move forward. You know, so it's going to be up to us to do it. You realize that there's more black folk in this country than the whole, the population of the entire country of Canada? You know, and they say we 13 to 15 percent. And so we need we need partners. No, we need to do more reading and become smarter. We're 15, 12, 15 percent. What percentage are we of the NBA and the NFL? You mean to tell me that why isn't the NFL and the NBA predominantly white and we, we're just a speckle, you know, we, we have to just become smarter and we have to be, believe in ourselves. We don't believe that we can do it. And that's where the problem lies. So until we get that together and stop doing all of this bickering and trying to force our viewpoints and our ways on one another and understand that everyone has something to contribute. You know, we, we all have our strengths and we all have our weaknesses, but when we can get together and admit that, hey, this person is better in this area, but I'm better in that area, and then we can move forward. It's that simple. So, again, your show is always great. And thank you for allowing me to express myself. Let me, let me, let me say this before you go, because yes, sir. You, you hear a lot of our people when they're appealing to uh, the white population about we need to talk, we need to have the uncomfortable conversation. You've heard that countless times. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, Europeans are going to do what they're going to do. History is your best teacher in reference to that. 
we need to have that quote unquote uncomfortable conversation with our own because that's the pro- that in that lies the problem. You just stated clearly that when Dr. King organized that Montgomery boycott, the doctors, our lawyers, our business people, they all lived in the community. They lived yep. among the uh, average black people. But now they don't. And like you said, some of our people, some of them have more disdain for black folks than sometimes these whites. They do. That's what that's the uncomfortable conversation that needs to be had, because these whites, they try to cultivate men like you just stated, men and women like you just stated, that have an aversion towards their own or really want to escape. Their own. You hear a lot of people talking about, I escape, you know, I get out of there, want to get out that neighborhood and things like that. They want to escape from their own people. Listen, go ahead. And and then, and you know what they do? They want to escape their people, and they do, and they go out and live in the pearly gated state and all of that. And guess what happens? When they leave those neighborhoods, those whites come right back in there. And they buy them up for nickels on a dollar and gentrify. And then we complain. You realize that we could gentrify these communities just like everyone else. You know, all it takes is just people coming together with their resources. You know, you got people here who can build. You have people who are doctors, lawyers, and investors and all of that. Why is it that other folk meaning whites or whatever, can come into the same neighborhood that you've lived in or we've lived in for all of these years and decide, okay, we're going to come and we're going to totally renovate this community. And they do it because we don't have good leadership and as constituents, we don't demand that of our leaders. We're going to have to start running some of these leaders out, out, protesting outside of their house so that they can't sleep at night. <laughs> That's what's going to have to happen. Because I remember, uh, Brother Elliot, and you may have remembered as well, it may have been about 10, 12 years, well, more than that. I remember Black Agenda Report. They they began to make, they made a report or made a prediction rather that these new black leaders are going to be bought out and they're not going to be doing us any good. You remember, what was a brother's name who was the mayor of Newark? I believe it was uh, James Sharp or Shannon, uh, not Shannon Sharp, but James Sharp. Do you remember that? Uh, you no. remember his name? But anyway, Sharp, let me just Sharp make James. Point. He, they predicted that. And Cory Booker, and I remember it as plain as day, Cory Booker was that candidate that they ran against him. Oh, you're he talking about Sharp, Sharp, Sharp James. Sharp James. Mm-hmm. You recall that? Yes. It was, yeah, it, it was Cory Booker ran against him that first round. And then that second round, 
I think they may have trumped up some stuff against him and Corey Booker got in there. And that was around the same time that Cynthia McKinney got ran out of office as well. You know, because the money, and, and I know that you all have spoken about in the past, how at one time they really didn't care about black folk. But around that time, they began to put big money behind these black politicians. And so they may look like us, but when you see them on television, they don't talk like us. You see these people on television and these commercials. If you had your head turned, you would think that they're white. You turn right back around and they're black. And these commercials where you don't see black men and black women married to one another, you know, all of these messages they're sending out to us, telling us that if you want to be successful, you can't be successful as black folk. You know, so anyway, then my last thing is I'm going to say this. Our problem, and I tell people this, our problem is that we have made white people God. And you can say it whatever way you want to say it, but I hold, I hold steady to that. We don't think that we can do it. And because of that, we're getting punished for that until we get to the point to where we know we can do it then we're going to continue to suffer. But we're going to have to put some heat on these people who are supposed to be our leaders. But, but I have one question for you. Who is the person who speaks after the Amos Wilson uh, clip that you play that he talks about that anyone who preaches integration is an enemy to the race? Oh boy, what was his name? Um, Richard, help me with that. Uh, what was the pastor's name? Church Black Madonna. Uh, um, well, you all, I, I'm going to get off the phone, and if you all remember, just just uh, uh, just mention it because I, I want to do a little bit of research on him. Okay. Again, thank you for allowing me to express myself. Thanks for your contribution. Bye bye. Uh, let's go to 908. 908? Yeah, I have a question for y'all. Yes, sir. First of all, yeah, voting. Everything, everything that last brother said, except the God part, which was at the end, I um, 100% back everything he said, except the God. I don't, I don't believe the white man God. I don't think most black people believe that. I, I just think they're scared of... Uh, this white man. That's why you had such trepidation with the NBA players stepping up for Kyrie. I think some of them know what Kanye said was right. And they also know it's wrong how Kyrie was was treated just because he posted something. He didn't say anything. He didn't write anything. All he did is post a book that compliments a, a film that compliments a book. But voting, did y'all, did y'all two vote? Because the reason why I ask is because every time, for years, you know this, Elliot, I've called and said black people are morons for voting. And as the brother said, the voting don't change. But I go, in, I go deeper, which is I see how this money influences the situation. And speaking of Cory Booker, Cory, I don't know if you saw, he saw, he sent a letter for Theranos 
you know, with the lady that's going through the Theranos, uh, she's about to get sentenced, I believe, uh, this week coming up. If you count Sunday as the beginning of the week. You said the lady that's going through the what? Say it again. You said the lady that's going through what? I didn't catch that. Theranos. Theranos. She was convicted of Theranos of, uh, with the pen sticking the little needle into your hand. Uh, not a needle, but, uh, uh, getting a little blood from you and from there being able to predict, uh, any problems you have in your system through this, some type of medical device. She got convicted for fraud. Okay. I, I can't think of her name right now, but Theranos, if you, you look up Theranos, uh, they did a whole Netflix, but Cory Booker anyway, sent a letter along with another 149 people, I believe it was saying that she shouldn't get jail time for this. Cause she's looking at a lot of jail time. Corey is known to be in the pharmaceutical slash medical uh, community businesses pocket. I called Corey personally uh, 2020, I think it was, because I was homeless and seeing if he could get me help. When you call that number, it went to a message, but the message, but it went to, um, for you to leave a message, but it was, the box was filled up. The answer machine box was filled up. And then I would repeatedly call, like I would call a couple of times a week and nothing happened. And this is indicative of all these black politicians. That's why if you two vote, which is fine if y'all believe that, but I look at the conditions, the conditions going back. I talk to family members. I don't talk to a lot of my family members. I got a big family. You know a lot of pe- I know a lot of people, and they know a lot of people. And I only talk to a handful of them, other than the, uh, before the ones that died. My last aunt just died a couple of months ago. You know what I mean? So I really uh, don't talk to a lot of them. Once, like my grandparents, my aunts, you know, my uncles are still alive, but I really talk talk to uh, check on the women in my family. And when I talk to them, they move, like my sister don't move, my niece in with her. And what you're going to find is you're going to find generation after generation that's going to have to live with each other to survive. So I don't see how this voting situation for 60 years and carrying this out, how this improved the quality of life for black people. I would never vote again told you before I voted for Al Gore, Al Gore quit like a dog, like the mud dog on a curse so like he is, and he quit. And I said, I won't ever vote again after that. And I'm looking at the condition of somebody who just came out of sleeping on a concrete two months ago. And I talked to the brother. None of these middle-class people helped me. You know who used to help me while I was out there in the street? Everyday brothers that's out there struggling worse than me will help. They'll tell you where to get food, where to get vouchers for breakfast, where to get clothes, where, what to say if you go to the county to try to get social services, what to say, what not to say. If you have some type of mental illness, what to say and what not to say so that you can get help with that. That's who's helped me. I called that show in D.C., which I don't want to say the God name, but for, so people will know it called Nelson show that y'all all, everybody all love, 
But you notice D.C. Is went below 50% black people in D.C. You know why? Because D.C. don't have a political station that's going to talk about local issues. It's a national station. That's why when you look at his credentials that's on the radio station, you'll see a long list of credentials. <laughs> you don't want to be known as local. And I've been telling y'all that. I look at nine, I've researched 990s when I can. I do all kinds of things to see what's going on, and the more I find out this FTX, I'm looking into that right now. I know y'all heard about that FTX scandal. This been going on. Billions and billions going out the door, and they calling it a hack. It's not a hack. It's me setting up a company and stealing out the back door. But your politicians won't tell you that. Why? Because this FTX guy, this Sam Bankman Freed, Gave ten million dollars to the Democratic Party, and everything again. Everything I'm saying revolves around politics and voting. Everything is connected. Cory Booker, Theranos, FTX, me being homeless, New Jersey politicians. I won't vote for these dogs. And for anybody for tell me, you gotta be a traitor to the race to say go out there and vote. Hey, what y'all say after I get off the line is just one part of of the situation. That's what y'all always say when I get off the line after I say this. Oh, he always called here with no hopes. But y'all see this you see these things playing out. For years I've called for years I've called about immigration, right? And I was told by Carl Nelson and the other people on that radio station, Al Sharpton producer, open line, New York open line on Sundays. I was told, don't listen to him. He's a small percentage of the population. Now look what everybody's talking about. Everybody's talking about immigration. I was right. Everybody's talking about not voting, holding your vote. And I've been saying this how long on the air? Elliot, you know I used to call with the brother Oliver over there at WURD, right? The brother Oliver, me and brother Oliver used to call up, and I used to co-sign what Oliver was saying. People were saying, Oliver's crazy. Can, yeah, I interject, ahead, can, can I interject? Can yeah, I interject? I'm sorry. As long as you're going to do it objectively, go ahead. No problem. But I just want to object to this. But go right. ahead. First, first, all you said, I agree with. How? When you've been you know, disrespecting me since I've been on here, you've been disrespecting me from day one, brother. And Elliot knows I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been on this. Wait a minute. You, you, do you give want him, me to respond? I mean, do you want me to give my view whether you yes, disagree with Yes, if you want to be objective but, and but, apologize. And I, just, I just said, oh, even if I, it don't take nothing from either one yeah, of us. Yeah, but go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I apologize. Go ahead. If that's what you need, I apologize. I but need? I, I wanted, no, I want people to be objective. If everything I say you're in disagreement with, when I'm, I started off saying, I'm in agreement with everything you said. It really don't make no sense to me. And that's being objective. So what I said, what I'm trying to say is everything you said, I agree as it relates to the vote. Um, and the question that you asked, the question that you asked, and I, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't know how, how much more time, but the time that I've been out here or the time that I've been alive, I, I've only voted twice. So at 67, I've only voted twice. And the first time was, it only took two times because I voted when the first black mayor 
That was the first time I voted when the first black mayor ran for the city of Philadelphia. But although the vote, the one who burned down, the, uh, let me let me let me say because this is where I think we I disagree not disagree I differ because my position was if I'm going to be a part of the solution of our organizing effort, I have to judge it by something. And for me, as you're saying, and others said, voting shouldn't, just going out to vote shouldn't be the gauge. And for me, in the way I've come through the process, our process, the way we judge is how effective we have organized our communities. So to me, if we haven't effectively organized our community to utilize our vote, as the brother said, one tool of that effectiveness is political education. So that's a tool. So voting is only to me and the way I've been utilizing and the, way, the reason why I, I've been engaged in organizing in the political process to learn but to also use it as a tool to evaluate being objective with how well we are organizing in our own self-interest. So it's not a matter of whether we vote or not. It's a matter of, in my mind, how well organized we are. And even to the population that you represent, I'm calling you, you as an individual represent a population. And you describe how that population relates to you. Even that population, how well organized it is in not just their self-interest, because they have particular interests. If you're homeless, if you have mental health issues, if, you, if you're dealing with needing a job, you should be organizing. in Those, they, those are political interests. And you should at least demonstrate, in my mind, don't have to be, in my mind, how effectively you have organized that interest group by being able to send them to the polls. Now, there's many ways that we can be able to show how effective, but the polling by voting is just something using a tool that's out there already that we could be able to use, not to just say that we did it, but how effective we were in getting the people that we rep. That, that reflects our interests. Now, if everybody was moving in that manner, even if they didn't vote, but just was organizing and could be able to direct the vote, then, then we would be taking control. And I don't look at the resources. I don't know what that means. I look at we would be taking control of those budgets because that's what these other people, when that brother said about giving somebody $10,000, what, what he's going to get is a representative who ha who has access to a budget who can be able to break him off something or people he represent if he need. So I, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm I'm I've become too complicated. I don't know if it don't make sense. But I'm saying, you know, for somebody who says, well, whether you voted or not is an indication of your willingness to be about black people empowerment or self-governance, I know, or I have used, and that's why I agree with you. Those who are saying get out the vote, the interest that they are getting people out to vote 
by not doing the political education, by not defining their particular interests. They are just like Elliot started the program with the brother who did the mural and the representative said that he was looking out for the best interests of the town board, not the people. He was black. He got elected. Somebody, people elected him. But who, what interest was he looking out for? He was looking out for the town board. Who sits on the town board that he he was representing? The whites on the town board that had that person that was painted, Minister Farrakhan, who they didn't like. Now, that's, that's the way I see it. I don't know if I made sense to you. So well, you made sense to me, but let's 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 deal with a couple of things you said. First of all, I came in late. I didn't hear that. I came in on the back end of uh, what Jay was talking about. Oh, you missed and, you uh, missed three quarters of the program and, and valuable information that you could have heard. Well, I'm calling because it's open phone, and oh, what I understand. I'm to do is get those around me that's relevant because they don't get to talk on these stations. I, that station I just talked about, I was kicked off three months ago, told don't call or listen. Guess what? I don't call or listen to the station no more. That's the way they behave. So instead of people coming and saying, nah, we ain't going to allow that with him being kicked off like that, we ain't going to call or listen either. That's what people should have did, knowing that my voice had been on there for many years on that trying to direct the way I want the conversation to go because most people don't are old and going to have old conversation, as I've said before. Now, with you, would you say you got to get politically smart? You said you voted for the first time you voted, you sort of voted for the black guy that threw a bomb on black people? So you was politically understood that when you went to go vote for him, you were so educated that you didn't know. Wait a minute, Charles. At that point, he was there was no move. You 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 moved the timeline. No, no, I didn't ask you that. I asked you, did you research the man to see if he's capable of bombing some people? I mean, I'm not going to get off for what I'm saying. So y'all think I'm an idiot, yo? You elite, you black elite try to come you, with black you, elite you talk, man. I ain't with that black elite talk. Who's a black elite? With it. I come from the bottom. But who's a, who is a black elite? And bread sandwiches hey, and bologna sandwiches, wait a minute. homie. Oh, I, I come from the bottom. Okay, That's wait, where a, I come from. wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did you research a man Sean. that bombed a whole block? Sean. Yes or no, when you voted for him. Sean. Did you hear me just say that the, I, when he ran for mayor, that incident, what that group, was Did you know he was capable? I'm not saying how do you how do you know homie? some how do you know what somebody's capable of? That's my point. Then what you voting for him for? And that's my point. What you voting for these people you, for? You, you, you just and you that's my point. You just Sean, no, research hold it. all let, you let, want. You Sean, don't know these people, and that's my point. Sean, let me you help you. Let, do all the research you want. And you don't know let, let me help, Sean. Let me point. come on, come on. Okay, help the, the, what? Help come Sean, on. What? Come on, what? Am I right or wrong? I don't want you to Am be I right. Rep- I'm dealing in righteousness. Hey, hold Am it, I man. Right come on. Wrong? We both can't talk at the same time, and I don't want you to be repetitive. Now, Richard spoke with you. Let me say a few things. Now you sound like Carl Nelson, who can't read or write. Let me say. Let me say a few things, and then we're gonna wind the program down because you wait too late and yeah, then jumped on. Let me say yeah. something. Most of our people, 
one. Are you going to listen? I was respectful yeah, to you when you talk for 10 or minutes. You cut me off like y'all do everybody that y'all disagree with. Okay. Ahead. When, when <clears throat> most of our people in this country and a large percentage of them is in a similar situation that which you expressed. No, you're that not. The, they're not are you going to let me finish? You're going to let me finish. You're going to let me finish. You're not on the concrete either, Elliot. Don't play me. You're going to let me finish. You're not on the concrete. Are you going to let me finish? You probably never been on the concrete. You're going to let me finish. You're going to let me finish. So you yeah, don't, you're, you're the only black, righteous. you're the only black man out there. You're the only black man out there. You're the only black man out there. Are you the only black man out there sleeping on the concrete? Nah, it was a, a lot of us to tell you. Didn't I just say that? Didn't I just say that a second ago? Didn't I just? Didn't I just say that a second ago? Hey, hey, hold up, hold up, hold, hold, hold it, man. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. We can't do this because you're not listening. You don't give the person respect enough to listen to what they're saying. You can't overtalk me. Now I just said that a lot of our people are in a situation like you, and you said, no, you ain't sleeping on the concrete. And then when I asked you, are you the only black man sleeping on the concrete, you do, you said there's plenty of them out here. I think that's what I just said. But you're not listening. Now, if you listen, we can have a conversation. But if you just want to over-talk and be repetitive, then we're going to have to end the conversation. If you want to listen. I listen to you. I listen to you. I got a million things to talk about. I'm never. Well, we're not going to be. We're not going to be on like here. Carl Nelson. Uh, Y'all listen, all come up okay. with Carl Nelson that, that, playbook. That, that clown. He can't that, read. Then, then we're going to have to end the conversation, man. We're going to have to end the conversation if you're not going to listen. Well, end it. Bye. Later. Have a good one. All right. They doing, brother. <clears throat> Richard. Yeah, yeah, and you hear how bad I'm feeling right now, but. Hopefully, I mean, yeah, I don't know what to say. Let me, let me, uh, before I go, let me, um, just for, for, for knowledge purposes, because a lot of our people were down there in Georgia screaming about <clears throat> Warnock and Walker. <coughs> and if you look at the situation, because Walker's not in office. Look at the situation what happened with our farmers. That was a total betrayal, a disgraceful betrayal of the black farmer. And could and could could make and not could make, will make thousands of them lose their land, their generational land that they want to pass down to their children, lose their generational wealth because the decision that was made by these men to have their name used as a poster boy to why these things were changed in this American rescue plan. If you remember, Richard, and I played that clip of Schumer, he came on there and mentioned Booker and Warnock particularly. You remember? Yes. Now, let me let me read this because um, he was campaigning down there, you know, for his seat. This comes from an October the 19th. Uh, published report in the Jewish Insider. It says, recent evening in October, Senator Raphael Warnock, Democrat of Georgia, took the stage at a Jewish campaign event 
in suburban Atlanta to celebrate the recent conclusion of Rosh Hashanah. And this is a quote. It's great to be among friends, he said warmly, addressing a packed room of enthusiastic supporters. I need us to do it one more time. Dressed in a crisp blue suit, the 53-year-old senator who has a long-standing relationship with the Jewish community members where he uh, was clearly at ease as he exhorted attendees to help him return to Washington in January for his first full six-year term. Because you sent me to the Senate, we were able to get things done. Uh, for our state and our family. Left, I'm sorry, because I, I want to skip some of this. I just want to kind of highlight some of the things that were stated to this group. As he reflected on his remarks delivered, um, on October the 3rd at the event at Dun, uh, in Dunwoody, I guess that's a suburb of Georgia, hosted by the Jewish Democratic Council of America, the JDCA, the Jewish Democratic Women's Salon of Atlanta, and the Jewish Democratic Women for Action. So you could see who the room was packed by. Warnock remains the senior pastor at Ebenezer's Church in Atlanta. Warnock was introduced by Michael Rosenwig, an Atlantean, and the JDCA's vice chair for management and operations. He introduced Warnock as a good and staunch friend of the Jewish community, unyielding and unwavering in his support for Israel. Warnock stated, my commitment to Israel and the importance of having a strong Israel is well established. A lot of the people in this audience have worked with me on that issue, and I look forward to continue my work with them on all issues centering around Israel, Warnock said, responding to the questions from the Atlanta uh, Jewish Times. I'm just reading a couple of those things, Richard, because this is what we're talking about. That a black politician have stated clearly in published Jewish reports that he's there for them, that he's going to work on the issues that that they present to him. And believe me, these these three organizations, along with others that had him there, let me read them again, Richard. The Jewish Democratic Council for America, they sponsored the event the Jewish Democratic Women's Salon of Atlanta, and the Jewish Democratic Women for Action. Believe me, they're not there to be no cheerleaders and, oh, Raphael, get to go in office. They want something from him. They're going to demand something from him. And they're going to get it. I just read to you with the, the, this vice chair of the that Jewish Democratic, uh, excuse me, uh, the Jewish Democratic Council for America said, Michael Rosenwig, the vice chair of management operations, 
He introduced them as a good and staunch friend of the Jewish community with unyielding and unwavering support. So, so if, if that's what we're dealing with, then you, our people in, in these areas are between a rock and a hard place. You're going to vote for Walker, who you, you already know what he's dealing with and who he supports and who's supporting him. Then on the other side, you're playing the good cop, bad cop, because you're going to support Warnock, who double-crossed black farmers, who had, according to uh, one of the callers, uh, uh, Brother West, it was a homeless encampment right across the street from Ebenezer Baptist Church. You remember when he said that, Richard? Yep. And he's at Jewish events talking about he's an unyielding and unwavering supporter of anything they ask from him. So what are we dealing with? Mm. If we pay in taxes in Georgia, in New York, in Philadelphia, then we need to develop candidates on our own that is sensitive to the community with unwavering and unyielding support. That way we don't have to sit and complain about, I ain't going to do this no more. Well, I mean, listen, it's cool if you don't do this no more, but you're paying taxes. They're taking your money and giving it to white folks. Developing their recreation senators, their centers, their community centers. The services that they get in their communities is developed with your tax money. And according to several of these reports that we didn't share on this station before, black people in a lot of these cities pay more taxes than whites, but they make less money. Richard, we've shared that information before. Mm. Look at Philadelphia, a city that's being gentrified. You got whites that's moving into these communities, buying homes is four, five, six hundred thousand dollars, but got a ten year tax abatement. They don't pay taxes for 10 years, Richard. You know this is true. Who's footing that bill? Who? Mm. So when I just sit there and say, well, listen, instead of saying we got to develop a political strategy, we got to get more politically educated. As long as the system is still here, we got to do better than what we're doing in the benefit of our children and our people. So they, we all don't be sleeping on a grate. We can do better than this. We can't just give up. Because when you give up, then your children are left in a lurch. If I'm sleeping on the street and I give up, then my children I have, they're going to be sleeping right with me. I don't want, if I'm sleeping on the street, I don't want my children or my woman or my wife sleeping on the street with me. I'm going to do all I can to get off that street and help them, even if they're in the house and I'm in the street. But we got to go organized to do this. We can't bash one another that's trying to help brothers and give solutions to try to help our people. Because then we go just turn on one another and turn on one another for no reason at all. I could see if you had people that's working against you, then we got a gripe. Just like I was talking with the brother from uh, um, Tulsa a minute ago 
about that uncomfortable conversation that black people keep saying that they got to have with whites. The, 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 the heck with them. We got to have that uncomfortable conversation with our own. Because some of these people as elitists, the quote unquote middle class, although I don't know what that is. And definitely the, the uh, some of the ones that are that uh, quote unquote made it. They don't want to talk with the average black people. They don't feel so they have nothing in common with them anymore. Bridget, we got the name, of the, the name of the person is um, Reverend Albert Clegg. Yeah, Clegg. Albert Clegg. That's right. I knew that poor. His name, too, when he asked me, his name just slipped right out of my head just that minute. Yeah, Albert Clegg. Yep. I, I know he's still listening, too. <clears throat> Richard, to come up to the end of another program, let me uh, give the lineup on time for an awakening media. And some of these is going to change going into the new year. I've been announcing them, but <clears throat> some of the programs have been on hiatus. Uh, some of the people <laughs> have repatriated and left the country. And uh, it's still going to come back on, so I'll keep reading the uh, the lineup, and uh, and we'll we'll get that straight later on. Uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, African perspectives with Brother Oshi. Always interesting topics and dialogue. That's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, eleven a.m. to one p.m. Later on that evening, from eight to nine, Black Therapy Central with host Dr. Muguia Kamban and Dr. Kamal Kamban, and from nine to ten, Monday evening conversation reparations. That's in Cobra's program, the first and third Mondays of the month. On Tuesday, 8 to 10 p.m., Black Reality Think Tank with Dr. William Rogers. On Wednesday, it's our time, the Black Farmers program from 8 to 9 and from 9 to 10, the Black Agenda Report with Dr. David Muhammad. On Thursday, Mississippi on the Move. That's the Black Liberation Movement down in Mississippi with Patrick, Brother Patrick Lumumba is host. That's from 7 to 8 on Fridays, Time for Awakening is back from 8 until, and from Saturdays, from 7 to 9, the elders of San Kofa with Brother Alfonso Watkins. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion, as always, and we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Driving through the country on a lazy afternoon Or you're watching your children playing after school
Save the children. 